are listening to Any Given Sunday, a part of the Dead End Podcast Network. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other podcasting services. Please make sure you check out Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Is the Mic Still On, Chris Platt's Strictly Hip Hop and Hoops Talk, and a host of other shows on our podcast network. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to the show. My guest this week uh, is the great Cameron Hawkins. Uh, this man has many roles, many titles. I don't know which way to start. Uh, host of the South Congress podcast, uh, one third of the East Coast cast on PW Torch, uh, PW Torch contributor. Uh, did I leave anything else out? Nah, nothing important. <laughs> You're fine. Okay, okay cool. <laughs> Cameron Hawkins, first time on the show. What's good? Welcome to Any Given Sunday, man. What's up? Oh man, I'm I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, you and I like like talk and and halfway argue all the time. So this is great to like to do it um, and not have to type it out. I can just just put the words right, out there. Right, you know? right, yeah, right. We just put it on wax. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. Well, I was saying right before we hit uh, record that it's an honor for the great Cam Hawkins to squeeze me into the schedule because I mean this man is like the pinnacle of like the wrestling podcasting scene. So like this man's got like four things going on at once, and he was able to squeeze us in. So I feel honored. I feel honored, man. I feel like I've made it. Uh, no, man. This is um, this is always like the the most important thing. Like it's great to you know work for working for the torch is great and doing my own thing is great and that's all well and good but to me like this this whole thing is about conversation and when people want to have conversations with you that's when everything else you kind of put it to the side because you know um you and I are we follow each other on all the social medias the facebooks the twitters the instagrams and all that right, right. and a lot of times like those conversations can be great and it can also be kind of toxic. It's just people throwing words at a wall. Mm-hmm. So outside of all the the videos and all the photoshops and all that, when somebody wants to sit down and talk to you and have a discussion, that's the important thing. So I'm glad to be doing the important thing with you. No doubt, now, no doubt, man. And it's an honor too, because it's like, yo, like even when some people ask me to like join a podcast to do something, it's like, damn, you want you want my opinion? Like it's it's crazy. It's always like every time, yeah. Like, it's like somebody cares about what I say. It's, it's exactly it's, no matter how many you know followers you have or retweets. Like it's always it's always a shock to me and a surprise, and it's and it's always great. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. So uh, before we get started, man, there's probably a bunch of people that have probably never never heard your work, never checked you out or whatever. So just give them a brief introduction to who is Cameron Hawkins. Uh, yeah, so, um, like, gosh, who is Cameron Hawkins? Um, I know. You know, <laughs> uh, University of Texas grad, um, you know, originally okay. from Southern, <laughs> thank you, originally from Southern Maryland. <laughs> I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. I've lived in Austin, Texas for uh, a little over 15 years now. Um how did it all start? I had graduated college, um, you know, started my kind of first career, um, just went through a breakup and was super into wrestling and needed like to hear more voices in my life because it was quiet around my apartment. So um, I joined Pro Wrestling Torch and uh, was, you know, loved all the news, loved all the audio, um, got in good with Travis Bryant, um, who's hosting the East Coast cast. Um, eventually started co-hosting that with him, um, started my own podcast, the South Congress podcast, um, and now it's to the point where I have all kind of roles with Pro Wrestling Torch. Like, I'll do the weekly show with Travis. Um, last week, I was on the, uh, you know, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show flagship show uh, for the first time. Um, they gave, gave me the keys to the Torch Instagram, which is PW Torch, so I'm um, doing all kinds of stuff with them. Um, when I'm not 
doing that, um, you know, I do a little bit of acting. My um, kind of third thing is coming out later this year. I've done commercials and short films and another short film's coming out later. Um, you know, uh, I, that, that's really about everything. Um, we do comic cons and we do um what we do uh you know just conventions and stuff and they let us go there and interview people and do audio and do video so just kind of being under the torch umbrella has led to me being able to, to have a lot of creative opportunities so always looking for more stuff to do and i like complaining about it on the internet because it makes me feel important of course don't we all right don't we all? <laughs> uh what's the most fulfilling part of the whole aspect of you know working for the torch you know obviously um me and you are lifelong wrestling fans so wade keller is like the one of the names in wrestling you know what i mean especially in wrestling yeah. journalism and media so it's like how is it that like you know wade keller is, is asking for your opinion on something or asking you to contribute on something or or just being a part of that that ecosystem how is that how is that feeling what's the most what's the most rewarding part of that yeah, I mean, I think it, it really all started with, um, I don't know who got in Wade's ear, Manny. I have no idea, but, um, you know, over the last, I don't know, I guess two years roundabout, he started to do a thing where he um, wanted to get different voices on his shows. He didn't yeah. want every show to be him and Bruce or every show to be him and Greg or every show to be him and Todd or him and Travis. Um, and so it kind of became a thing where he started, you know, rotating hosts. And really, I give um, as much credit as I give to Travis for bringing me into the fold. I really give Rich so much credit. I, I think that his presence, um, his ability to process information, the various topics he comes with, I think that opened a lot of eyes, um, not just with the torch, but just, you know, in wrestling media in general. Um, seeing this, you know, super smart black guy like talk about this stuff and and care about wrestling from japan in 1982 and all that kind of stuff so right. I, I think with with him being so knowledgeable it became to a point where he was like clearly i have guys in my fold that are good at this um and you, you know me like i'm like unabashedly um and unapologetically black like I'm, I'm gonna talk about some black shit you know i'm this is what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna no relate doubt. um i'm gonna relate everything that um that I process with wrestling to my experience as a black man and my experience growing up as a black kid and being a black nerd, but also being a black sports fan and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's always kind of going to be through that lens. Um, you know, Wade and I probably talk more now than we did in the last few years because I work with him on projects and stuff. So Wade actually sent me, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Wade sent me, um, a Facebook message that he got yesterday. And it's just, hey, Wade, um, I need to thank you for having people of color regularly contributing to your podcast. Um, I've known you since I was in high school. I only began listening to your shows um, since you joined Podcast One. Uh, you bring perspectives that not a lot of journalists do. Um, and the guy just talks about, like, I, I really wasn't watching wrestling with the stereotypes and Saudi Arabia stuff, but like the fact that you have guys who can get on and talk about these racial aspects critically and not be, um, and not be offended, not be judgmental, but really process them. So that, that's the best part, man. Like it's, it's the fact that people like us are, they feel seen and we're contributing to that. Like, like me, Rich and Trav and, and granted, like I'm, I'm certainly not disparaging any of the old white guys at the torch because they, they're, 
great. Like I, Bruce Mitchell is the reason that I feel comfortable doing any of this stuff. Like he is um, kind of my mentor when it comes to podcasting. Um, so like those guys are great, but you know, they don't have every perspective on everything. And so Absolutely. us being in the fold yeah. and like black people reaching out to a Wade Keller to say, thank you for having black people. Um, thank you for having black voices on your platform. That's the best part. It's amazing. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's amazing really. And it's, and it's, and it's an, and it's a topic that I don't think a lot of media companies, you know, really talk about is the fact that having that black voice that represents, you know, you know, or just not even just black, but having, you know, a Muslim voice, having a Latino voice, having, you know, representing all the masses, because this is a a country of, you know, millions and millions of people. And it's comprised of millions of different people from different backgrounds and different, you know, socioeconomics, you know, backgrounds and races and ethnicities and cultures and create. So, so having that ability to connect with those different audiences, because, okay, you know, yeah, you have white men that can, can kind of bring a broad perspective on, on certain issues, but of course it's always good to have, you know, a a Cameron Hawkins that comes at it from a, from from an African-American perspective or, you know, name a wrestling podcast or from a Latino perspective, et cetera. You know what I mean? So it's always good to have those different voices that have, that cover kind of the different bases. Cause you know, I, I know it sounds crazy, but you know, not every wrestling fan is white. Not every wrestling fan is, you know, black. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a million of us, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, um, I cut uh, a preview video for uh, this WrestleMania prediction show that Travis and I are doing. And I put, um, it's like a mashup of Becky Lynch and Kofi Kingston. It's their both of their first matches in WWE and then their first uh, title wins and then how they got the WrestleMania opportunities, right? And mm-hmm. I put uh, Kanye and Ross's Devil in a New Dress as, as the background music. And people were like, I like the video, but like the music was kind of weird. And I was like, you know, I have to accept that because that's not music that – your average wrestling fan is going to associate with the theme that I'm bringing up. It's not something they're used to hearing. And so, yeah, I, we, we need more perspectives. We need, like you said, we need women and we need brown people. And, and there are so many, so many voices that not only need to be heard, um, but so many voices that are begging to get out. And I just like we're part of a small wave of that. And that, a big thing about me, like the um the show that I'm cutting right now, the interview that I did um, is with a guy I did my undergrad with. Um, and he's a gay guy. And I think that his take on like romance and sex and relationships is just not one that we hear a whole lot because right. that space didn't exist. You know, so I'm like, um. And, you know, granted, I'm an Austin, Texas guy, um, so I'm, I'm super liberal, and not everybody who you know listens to me is. But it, it was just really a situation where I I need this perspective so that I can understand people more, and I think that's what we're all really searching for: understanding of self and understanding of each other. And so every chance I get to bring a new perspective to something, I, I jump at it because I think that's really um, something that we all need in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to me about South Congress and, and that project and what's that all about and how'd you come about doing that as well? Because I know that's kind of your, your other major show that you do outside of your torch stuff, you know, South Congress. Yeah. When I was um a little while after I graduated, um, I put on like a hundred pounds in college, right? So <laughs> when I graduated, <laughs> I was like, you know what, I, I need to get my fat ass in the gym. I go to sign up um 
for for a gym and the guy who signs me up is a guy I played ball with in high school, right? We did not get along. He was your like archetype bully in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Um and we we you know weren't we we didn't like beef, but we weren't cool like that. It just wasn't the case. And you know, what a difference ten years makes. Like his life was different, his perspectives were different, and we ended up like starting to hang out and starting to bond. And so there's this restaurant we went to called Doc's where we had like that first super adult conversation and it happened to be on South Congress. Um, and so I, that location in the city is kind of where I feel like I became an adult and started to really value understanding uh, people and wanting to, to grow and to be able to communicate and, um, you know, just to appreciate people. And so we started South Congress as a blog. Um, you know, my degrees in English. Um, I did some journalism and some comms. So it was writing and writing and writing. And then Mike Brown dies um, in Ferguson. And I just couldn't write anymore, Manny. Like, I, I, I was so upset at the way people were reacting to things. And, you know, Facebook. You know, people were writing these these wild comments, and I just want to type and type and type my feelings out. I couldn't do it anymore. So that's how it turned into a podcast. <laughs> that's really what it was. Um, it was just a faster way to kind of process the information. And and really, it started out with Travis and myself. We were just doing like uh, TV reviews. Um, we were doing uh, CW's The Flash. We were talking about that every week. And then the very, very first South Congress podcast is me interviewing my buddy, Michael O'Hara, um, who who I was talking about in this whole story. That's the first one. I wanted to interview people, but it became a thing where interviewing people was hard to schedule. And yeah. this is this is three, four years ago. So podcasting is different. You can't just, hey, conference call me or hey, Skype me. Like that technology existed, but people weren't thinking like that, you know? So uh, we were doing those shows and eventually my uh, my best friend, uh, my best friend Isaiah had been coaching in South Texas and he moves to Austin. And so it kind of naturally became like us just doing a lifestyle show, um, talking about just what's going on in the world every week. Um, even though we're very similar, we do have like really different perspectives. And they, don't don't tell them, they'll probably hear this, but this is like, <laughs> there's this podcast called um, I'm Black, He's Mexican, is what it was originally called, right? And I'm, we're literally stealing from that. <laughs> like we, I saw what they were doing, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Uh, but no, yeah, it's just, um, you know, lifestyle show we drop every Monday morning. We want to be that kind of, ride to work, uh, you know, podcast for people just talking about, you know, kind of whatever's on our mind. A lot of it becomes pop culture and then social issues. Sometimes it's sports. It almost always devolves into sex some type of way. And, you know, we're working hard to make more, like to be more visual. So we're doing more video and stuff now, but yeah, it's just giving me like really cool opportunities to do interviews and, you know, do, the. Uh, comic conventions and um you know get to sit in on different people's shows and stuff so yeah just south congress is me talking to my friends about things we think are cool um and doing some hard work in the meantime dope dope it's a dope show man if you haven't listened to it please check it out it's 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 really a dope show um they bring it every week, man. It's very entertaining. It's, it's a good, it's one of my, it's one of my, one of my, one of the many lists of podcasts that I have on my go-to is it's a definitely dope show, man. So check it out and continue the good work. A shout out to uh, his co-host uh, every week that joins him on that show. It's just, it's, it's, it's really dope. So if you haven't listened to it, check it out. Um, what's the, what's, 
you talked about, you know, just kind of talk about social issues and stuff like that. Cause obviously I do a podcast, you do a podcast and it's always easy to talk about the positive things in life, whether that be sports or, you know, whatever, if you do a podcast about cooking, whatever, but you know, you talk about those social issues and those things that happen in just everyday life. You know, how, how hard is that to happen, you know, to talk about, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the Mike Brown situation and, and Ferguson and all that, you know, how hard is that to talk about on a podcast, you know, and still do a show, but also kind of keep part of your own emotions in check and still try to, you know, because, you know, nobody wants to hear you bitch and complain for two hours or whatever on a podcast, mm-hmm. but also try to like convey your emotions and your opinions and how you feel about a certain topic, especially a topic that's challenging. It was a big thing. Um, it it might have been like a month, month and a half ago. Him and I actually like me and Peanut got into an argument on the show um, and we we cut it because it was really like it was really raw and visceral and loud. And when when you get to instantly go back and hear yourself uh, kind of get out of pocket like that, mm-hmm. it, it really does put things into perspective. And, and granted, like it was it was us arguing about um, about a sexual assault situation and really the issue was I preemptively got defensive about something I didn't need to be defensive about. So like a lot of it is we, we deal with craziness. Like, you, you know, you and I have definitely shared experiences. When we see something on the news, we can relate that to something in our past or something that happened to a friend as far as, issues of race as far as police brutality like 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 you and i are going to internalize that a certain way um i I think what's big is tone because i talk about things that absolutely upset me but i try to maintain a level i try to deadpan it sometimes i try to talk like i tweet like you can't actually Mm. hear the emotion in the words um but it's difficult man there are some weeks i don't want to do it like i i don't want to hit that record button i don't want to talk about what's going on but when when we get the feedback from people who appreciate what we're saying, that's that's everything, man. It means so much um, that I can be emotional about something and somebody else can have an emotional reaction to it. So I think that what makes it possible to talk about these things that can be so upsetting and so hurtful is that we know we're hurting together. You know, when we when the, like and, and granted, like. You're talking about like a super serious situation, but when we talk about something like what's going on with Kofi Kingston and wrestling, when we talk about the language of why somebody like him hasn't gotten opportunities, um, it's something that we internalize. And I didn't realize how much of a community we really were until like, you know, I write an article about a Kofi Kingston and everybody has something to say about it, you know? So I think as long as there's one other person who is going to have a reaction to something you say that is similar to yours, something they can internalize. I think it's always going to be possible to talk about this stuff and be able to get through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the hardest part of, of podcasting for you? Like what's the heart, what's the part that you just like, besides what we just talked about, but just in general, like what is the hardest thing about podcasting, doing what you do on a weekly day to day basis? The numbers. And I mean it, but the numbers, and I don't mean mm-hmm. like, oh my God, a thousand people listen to me this week. What I mean is when you hit that upload button, that first hour, because typically our shows are an hour and, you know, people get notifications. So somebody's listening to that right there at that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think the hard part is 
oh my God, I just put myself out there for people to judge. What are they going to say? Like that's the, that's the part. And the, the, the hardest part, Cameron Hawkins, the podcaster for South Congress is, is damn near fearless. Okay. And I mean, like, and, and, and Manny, I know I've said like some cuss words on your show. I, I can do that. That's okay. Hey, you you good, man. You good. This is okay. a, this is an open forum. I, this is talk as you will. Okay. Cameron Hawkins on South Congress has a real suck my dick attitude. Like, absolutely. Like, I'm going to get my words out. I've put time into this and thought into this, and this is mine. And not if you don't like it, but if you are are looking at my perspective and devaluing it, then suck my dick. That is just how it's always been. Now, PW Torch is, is different when it comes to podcasting because there are people, Manny, who have decided that they don't like Pro Wrestling Torch. They've decided that you being affiliated with Pro Wrestling Torch makes you less than. I have literally put up um, artwork uh, just as Cameron, and it's gotten a better reaction than artwork as Cameron, PW Torch contributor. Because people have decided they, they place a stigma or they want to be anti. So like when I did the um that mania preview video, a guy on like Reddit um says he was like, Well, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. And he's like, But it's pro wrestling torch, so I shouldn't be surprised. And it's like you know, not that not that everything I do is going to be a slam dunk, but right. when you don't say where you're from and you put that up, it gets a better reaction. So I think the, the hardest part, this podcasting stuff is very clicky. It yeah. really is clicky and there are tribes and it's, I'm very protective over me and mine. Like I, I really am like you, um, you can imagine that, you know, me and Travis and Rich, we get into it from time to time because we're three different personality types. We are, even though we do work together, um, the way that we feel about art and about content and about presentation um, is, is very different. And I think it's always going to be like that. But you can't say a bad word about Rich. You can't say a bad word about Travis. You damn sure can't say a bad word about a Bruce Mitchell, even if they're wrong. So the hardest part for me is remembering that when I'm doing something for the torch, I have to remember that I can't be wild nigga cam. I have to be. Right, right. <laughs> I got to dial it back just a little bit. And so the hardest part is when you're when you're affiliated with a group like that, taking that criticism, knowing that you have that stamp and that you're wearing that badge. That that's that's what can be difficult from time to time. Again, South Congress, um, that's me. I know who I am, I know what I'm doing, I know exactly who my audience is. So when I present something, I already have them in mind. With the torch stuff, you know, um Ricky Johnson from Knoxville, who never leaves his house but loves his pro wrestling, he is going to say some wild shit to you. Right. <laughs> about, you know, who you work for and what you do. And it's it's processing that and trying not to drive to Knoxville to, to kill Ricky is the hardest part. 
Absolutely. No, I understand. I understand completely about that. And, and why do you think there is that stigma with PW Torch? Like, is it just kind of the nature, the natural kind of, you know, and you see it with, you know, with all walks of life, all oh, media's media sucks. It's biased. It's left. You know, is it, is it that sort of thing? Or is it just kind of the, the old antiquated hate on the dirt sheets type of thing? Or is it just, it's, it's like, a what combination of that? I think right. you, you, you really hit both of them. Like, like we are, a very a very liberal brand from and and really uh, this this gets into a whole other conversation but i always think like how how could you not be liberal when you look at what's going on outside but no exactly you know, yeah. politics are I, I i get it not everybody processes information the same not everybody um you know looks out the window and and, and sees the same you know scene or breathes the same air it, I, I get it, but um, the, the torch is, is very liberal, and, and like a Travis who is very politically dialed in, and a Rich who is very politically dialed in, um, they'll go on long conversations and tangents about the way things are and the way things should be. Um, you know, like like you said, hating on the dirt sheets. Like I, I don't think that Dave Meltzer is infallible. I think he's a human who makes mistakes. I think the way that his brain's wired, sometimes the way he presents information, it makes it easy for people to criticize. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? right? Rich is like, the way that I'm defensive about Travis and Rich, Rich is defensive about uh, Meltzer like that. Because Rich under, like Rich wrote for, um, he was doing USA Today stuff for the Buffalo Bills for years, right? So mm-hmm. he has, has really dealt with you know, being on a large platform and, you know, being criticized. So um, I think that when you lean pretty far left in a space that most of the fans are white men, you know, you're you're going to have some kickback. And the, the biggest thing, Manny, pro wrestling is, is still the Wild West. Pro wrestling media Absolutely. is still the Wild West. Yeah. You know, like, people don't know everybody – I think there's, there's a podcast called Everybody Has a Podcast, right? Um, because we all have access to this technology. Like, you and I being roughly the same age, you remember when Pro Tools came out? Yeah. And then everybody dropped a mixtape? That's, <laughs> that's what wrestling podcasting is, because anybody can get on and talk about wrestling. So immediately, I think people go, well, why is what you say more important than what I say? Without listening to what you say. Um, right. and, and granted, I don't think that me being able to do a podcast for the torch means that my opinion on wrestling is any better than anyone else's, but I think people think that I do. I think people think that everybody, like they think Bruce Mitchell thinks he's more important than them. They think Wade Keller thinks he's more important than them. They think Travis and Rich and Cam think they're more important than them. And it's like, no, we're just in a situation where there are a lot of ears and eyes on us and people seem to like that information. Like that's just what it is. So I think that people think that devaluing what a Wade Keller and what a Dave Meltzer does means that they're going to get their look. Like I, our buddy Steve, um, who's in like a group chat with me and Rich and uh, and Weez, like he has a bunch of buddies who like their Twitters exist to hate on Dave Meltzer and to criticize Meltzer and to post things that Meltzer did wrong. And I'm just like, yo, like how are you letting this man that you don't know live rent free in your head like that? Like yeah, it's corny. Like, it's corny as fuck. It, like it's, it's just, super, yeah, yeah. But but I I honestly think that not enough people in uh, media in general but in wrestling media not enough people tell fans to suck their dicks 
and I think that you know, yeah. I'm, again, I'm now back in, in my old age, but I've certainly invited a few wrestling fans to my dick, and like we we've, we've gone to WrestleMania, and I think the the last two WrestleManias we went to, I tried to fight somebody in the crowd, and it was just <laughs> because, like it, it was that thing where they were basically calling matches as they were going. And oh, I was God. like, would you shut the fuck up? Like, you're like, yeah. why, why do you think that people want to hear that? Like, why are you trying to take away from this experience? But uh, wrestling fans, I've noticed they tend to clam up a little bit when, when the shit gets real. But I, I think that, yeah, to, to bring it all back though, I think that's really what it is. Everybody kind of wants a slice of the pie and they think that the easiest way to get it is to devalue somebody they consider to be of a higher level than them um, instead of just wanting to have the conversation. Like I've been dead wrong about things in wrestling um, and people have like talked to me about it and then it becomes a conversation and then we get cool and that can turn into you being invited onto somebody's show or having your article shared and stuff like that. But everybody just wants to win. Everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to, be you know Brock Lesnar guy. Everybody wants to right. be the the black guy with the surprise face uh, when Lesner everybody wants to have their moment. Everybody wants to have their fifteen yeah. moments. Everybody yeah. wants to be minutes, easy. Yeah. You know, like they all want that. They all everybody wants to be in pro wrestling. Um, everybody wants to be a pro wrestler, but they want to do it these unconventional ways, and they think that riding your dick is the way to do it. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you bring up the the far leaning aspect of of what you just said, like because it's interesting because I've been listening to the Twitch for years and I've never like again I'm 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 super progressive and liberal so I guess maybe I'm I'm insulated from the outside perspective of how someone would view the Twitch, but like I, it's interesting like when you say oh well we're far leaning so sometimes that tends to rub people the wrong way but I've never I've never heard Wade in his in his in his hotline you know, present like a super liberal, like I think Wade is just a guy that he talks about the wrestling news, the way he sees it, the way he views it, his opinions on, on wrestling based on 30 plus years of doing this shit. And same thing with Bruce, like Bruce is a wrestling historian. Like my, my man has forgotten more about wrestling than any of us ever would know. Right. Absolutely. But it's, it, but it's never, but it's never like a, you know, and aside from wrestling, you know, you know, this green new deal should happen. Like it, it's never, I don't, I don't ever feel like, I don't ever feel like they're putting their own politics in how they're viewing wrestling and, and through the lens that they're viewing less wrestling. So that, that aspect of it is always interesting, like that you said that, like, it's just kind of, it's, it's weird to me. Yeah. He, um, I, I think that his feelings on Roman Reigns, I think that really feelings on Roman Reigns and feelings on triple H, I yeah. think People ran with those things and kind of created a narrative where Wade can never be wrong about anything. And and why does Wade nitpick? I, I, I think that, again, him having that platform and people deciding that why is this guy important or why should we listen to him? I, I mm-hmm. think that that turned into a game of telephone where they decided that Wade's a a far left leaning know it all who is just <laughs> here to you know is is just here to make everybody hold hands like like I, I think it eventually turned into that and the, and the thing with Bruce Bruce is very matter of fact um, 
he can draw, like you said, all the stuff he's forgot about wrestling. When when a Bruce Mitchell who grew up in you know Greensboro, North Carolina, sees the New Day come out with pancakes. Bruce is going to go back to a book that he read when he was in fifth grade about that. Like that, that's yeah. just what's going to happen. And I think that because many people feel like they can't talk to me. And I think that's crazy. Like people feel like they can't, there's not a direct line to me sometimes. Like they can't just reach out or send a DM and they're surprised when I respond and who am I? I'm nobody. Right. So right. I think, with a Wade Keller and a Bruce Mitchell, I think people think it's easier to denounce something they say or to speak against it than to try to have a conversation with those guys um, because they want to be right in the moment. They don't really want to to sit down and process why somebody said the thing that they did. And so then it becomes, this is an absolute truth about a Wade. This is an absolute truth about a Bruce, um, you know, which doesn't help any of us as far as really understanding people, understanding why things were said. But yeah, I think it just, it sits out there because people don't really want to have the conversation. People want to talk. And, and I think it's just easy to hate. Like, it's like let's just admit it. The world is full of a lot of yeah. haters. Like, for every person that's going to love you and it's going to ride your dick, it's going to be somebody that's going to hate you for the same reason that people love and ride your dick. Like, it's 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 just that's just the way it is. Like, people are just going to mm-hmm. hate Wade Keller because he's Wade Keller. It's a name. Absolutely. It's a name that we've all been listening and reading to in some sense before since. 30 years from that, you know, 30 years ago. Like, so people are just going to naturally hate Wade Keller. The same people that are going to love him is going to be the same amount of people that are going to hate him. So it's just, it's just one of those things. And I think sometimes you just have to internalize that and say, okay, it, it comes with the territory when you become, you know, a Wade Keller, when you become a Bruce Mitchell, when you be, when you rise to the top of something that, Absolutely. you know, people are just going to hate you for, for whatever reason, you know what I mean? Or just for the fact that you are at the top of your profession. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, Absolutely. So you brought up weight. So you brought up Roman Reigns. We shift the conversation towards you know wrestling and, and mania and whatnot. You brought up Roman Reigns, and I've shared my feelings on other shows and just privately with other people that I you know within the wrestling community that I know about Roman Reigns. What where where have you stood in this whole? It seems like forever, but this basically five years run of Roman Reigns as the top guy, like, where did you, you know, were you always a Roman guy? Were you a guy that was kind of in the middle of Roman? Were you in the camp that dude, why is this dude getting pushed down our throats? Like, where did you stand on Roman Reigns? And did it change with the whole leukemia situation? I was always, you know, a fan. Um, I thought he had a great look, um, comes from a great lineage. Um, doesn't really look like, anybody that they've had on top before but you can see it you know he's got he's got the movie star good looks he has the good physique um he's really athletic um i thought that they were when you say push down our throats like i don't think that's an exaggeration they were steadfast in this being the guy and i think that they worked so hard to make him be the number one guy they never figured out who he was right um he, I thought they did him a disservice by letting him keep the shield music and letting him keep the shield look. I, I, I do think that was a mistake. Um, I, I don't think he should be out there in any type of tactical gear. I think he should be out there in wrestling pants or wrestling trunks. Um, they, he was such an action figure 
for so long. Um, compete, and it's funny as we say this, I have a Scott Hall action figure on my desk, right? <laughs> I seen that yeah. posed with this, like in the Scott Hall pose, and it's funny because even though Roman Reigns is very athletic, you can count all the moves Roman Reigns does. You can literally see how they look in your head. Everything he does is designed for a poster. You know, yeah. like holding that. I mean, he has a. Uh, what an outline of himself doing the Superman punch on his gear, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, everything that they do with him is is to be marketed and monetized, right? And and they just when they did like the promos with him having a daughter, which was which I thought was really cool. I'm like, yo, where, where's his wife? Like, where's his family? Roman Reigns is. It, it, and it's kind of a mistake they had with Cena for so long. Cena didn't exist in the real world. Cena was the cartoon, except when he was in a match, and everybody else in WWE were more or less people. Um, so, yeah, I always thought Roman Reigns was pretty good. I, I understood exactly why people didn't like him, and it wasn't because um, people are mad because Roman Reigns is so good-looking that he'll take their woman. It was never that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everybody in WWE is good-looking and has abs and... and if they look at your girl the right way, she's gone. That's everybody. That's not right. to Roman Reigns. But but yeah, I, I just thought that they were so worried about making a star that they didn't make a person. He wasn't a thing. And it, it sucks that a real life um, illness is what kind of humanized him. You know, it, it's so unfortunate. I don't wish pain on anybody. Um, especially, I don't want you to have to go through something bad to maybe reach the level that you were supposed to be on, you know, but, um, I'm glad he's healthy. I think he's good. I think that the same way that they're telling like a story about a Kofi Kingston now, the same way that they started to tell a story about a Becky Lynch, like these being three dimensional, fully fleshed out characters. When they figure out that that's what you need to do with him, not have him win every match, they'll be a lot better off. So, I mean, if I had to put a letter grade on, on, on Roman Reigns, not the Roman Reigns push, but on him himself, I think it's an A. Like, I really think so. I think he's all the things to be a major, major wrestling star, but I think that they need to find out what makes him tick first and accentuate that. Right. No, I agree with you. I, 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 I'll be honest. I didn't like Roman Reigns. I more than like him for some of the things that he said. He had some bad interviews that just kind of was like, really horrible, uh, horrible. horrible. And, not horrible to, yeah, and I don't want to cut you off, but like, look, if you look at things he's done on camera, and then you look at um, Roman Reigns when he was on uh, like Ebro and uh, yeah. and Rosenberg, I like that because he was a guy. You know what I mean? Like that was cool. But yeah, yeah they, I, I. I don't know if you and I are necessarily saying the same thing, but there there's absolutely a lot to be said about the mechanical wooden Roman reigns that we've been presented with. And it's not something to like. So right. I, no, I, I feel, I feel like you're a little bit more kind of like in the middle, like you understood the hate, but you also understood why they were pushing them. And, and I, and I'm to a certain extent, I'm the same way. I was more on the hate side of things because it just became so ridiculous at some point. Like it just yeah. became to the point where like when Vince was he like when this man was literally being booed out of buildings, like it got to a point where like somebody needs to like recognize what the fuck is going on here. This guy is mm-hmm. not being accepted and you're still 
steadfast on pushing this guy. And I feel like the biggest issue that I think a lot of people, it's for me, and I'm not saying anything new. Bruce has said this on his shows. I mean, many podcasters have said this. So I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying some grandiose statement. Like I, I came up with this, but I think the three biggest things why this guy just did not connect with the audience is John Cena, the John mm-hmm. Cena effect, Daniel Bryan, and I think a lot of it was just Vincent Mann and the WWE machine itself. I think those are the three biggest things. And a little bit of himself as well. Like, I think he should bear some responsibility for his own push not working out the way it should have. Um, but I think the John Cena effect is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. I talk to a lot of wrestling fans, and they say the same thing. We went to 10, 15 years of the same John Cena bullshit, and now mm. we're getting the Samoan Cena, essentially, where it's... Okay, it's the super good guy who's going to beat everybody and it's going to be infallible and he's going to do all the marketing and the kid stuff and he's going to be this wooden hollow character and half of the crowd is going to hate him, half of the crowd is going to love him, but hey, he gets a reaction. I mean, essentially the same Cena playbook. And it's like when you see that for 15 years and the guy that supplants Cena is going to have the same playbook, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And I think initially people just was like, really, this again? Like, we didn't learn from Cena. Now this again? (laughs) So I think that was number one. And then I think the Daniel Bryan effect. I think a lot of the fans have, including myself, Daniel Bryan was our guy. That Mm -hmm. was our guy. Like, no, Vince, wake up. You're not going to tell us who to root for this time. This is the guy. Like, this is who he is. He is the total package. Like he's smart. He's funny. He's witty. He could cut a great promo. He's great in the ring. Yes. He's, he may not have movie star good looks or a freaking roided out body, but he's, but he's great. And everybody is trying to like basically wave the flag in front of Vince McMahon's face to say, this is the guy. And he ignored us and instant, like whoever they put in that spot outside of Roman Reigns was going to get that vitriol. Because it was like, you're ignoring Daniel Bryan to put this guy in in his place. And that's what pissed a lot of people off. I think that, they say in six years, so it'll be what, 2025? Mm -hmm. In six years, this company will have been WWE longer than it was WWF. I think that's crazy. Yeah, that's what it is. I think that, you know, you and I have been sitting here talking about um, you know, media that I create, media you create, media companies that we work for. I never wanted to hang out with Hulk Hogan, Manny, but I wanted to hang out with Macho Man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wanted to hang out with an Austin and a Rock and not a Bob Backlund. Like, I, I think that I've never wanted to go get a beer with John Cena. I, I I think John Cena is an extremely hard worker. I think that, you know, without John Cena, that company might have fell apart. Um, I, 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 I think John Cena is phenomenal. I, re- I really do. And this isn't me talking about being a fan or not. It's just I, I think John Cena is phenomenal. I think John Cena is a cartoon. The John Cena character was a caricature. John Cena would come out in big, oversized clothing with an shucks look. You never saw like a stitch of facial hair on John Cena. Um, you know, John Cena was he's Dudley Do Right, right? Like that, that's who he is. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know if Vince McMahon ever anticipated his audience growing up. You know, like it, John's the John Cena things ten, fifteen years. John Cena's first WrestleMania match was WrestleMania twenty, and so that's. 
literally 15 years ago, right? right? 15 years ago, I was what? 18. Yeah. You know, like I'm John Cena being the same character from when I was 18. I'm not the same person at 28 or even at 25, you know, like it's, it's not John Cena's fault that he didn't get hurt and that nobody else necessarily came along. Like, you know, he, he didn't do that. He didn't create that, but like it, yeah, it got, I disagree it with that a little bit. I disagree with it a little okay. bit that nobody else came along. I feel like there were people that could, like, I've always felt like that was the narrative that was put out there by the Cena defenders. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, well there's nobody else that takes that mantle. But I'm like, that's not really a fair assessment because it's like, well, if you present Jeff and I get it, Jeff Hardy had his own mirror mm-hmm. issues, right? But if you put Jeff Hardy in that spot and you give him the ball and he runs with it, you know, and he fails. That's one thing. But we don't know until you give him the ball. It's like, well, yeah, and, and, it, yeah, let me clarify. Again, it's not John Cena's fault is, is what I'm saying. Right, right. No, I, like, I get what you're saying. It, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but no, yeah, there's like Jeff Hardy is world champion was definitely there. Um, I think that Randy Orton had certain shortcomings, but Randy Orton was there. I, I guess what I'm saying is that like, John Cena doesn't control people not liking John Cena. You know, John Cena has to do what's best for a John Cena. But yeah, like, you know, uh, Rock was basically gone after being on top for four years, right? WrestleMania 15, um, Mm -hmm. he's champion. WrestleMania 19, he retires Austin. On the flip side, if, if he has five years, Austin has six years. So we, even though, you know, we did get heel Austin, which everybody hated, but we kind of look past because of how, how much goodwill he has. Austin wasn't around long enough for us to hate Austin. Uh, Rock wasn't around long enough for us to hate Rock. Um, you know, Angle had to leave the company because he had problems. So we never soured on a current angle. Um, so, yeah, like like a bunch of I'm not feeling sorry for John Cena, but there were things outside of John Cena's control that affect us not liking John Cena. But it's exactly what you're saying, though. Uh, John Cena being who he was for so long does not help a guy like Roman Reigns because um, and yeah, I guess the point I was making, like we talk about this media we create, um, we talk about these companies that we work for, like, Manny, we're regular guys. And the regular guy is who podcasts. The regular guy is who talks about sports. It's not the tallest, best looking, strongest, has the most women person anymore. That's not who it is. So we know that the hardworking every man can be super successful. Um, it doesn't have to be movie star, good looks, all shucks guy like Roman Reigns. And so again, I, I'm not saying that people hate Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns is so good looking and he'll steal their girl. People hate Roman Reigns because a Daniel Bryan is right there who embodies all of the qualities that we'd want in a champion. Um, you know, fights from under, works hard smaller but not afraid of anybody can play the funny character the dead serious character and get you emotionally invested um you know and and you know i think punk had that as well um yeah it's it's roman reigns can't control roman reigns being um you know tall and good looking and strong and doing all the things that appeal to vince mcmahon but roman reigns is definitely going to get a reaction for not being representative or representative of how society is today 
Um, we want different characters. We want three dimensional characters. And that is not what Roman Reigns came as. So, yeah, I, I get it. I'm right there with you. And even with those even, and even just the Brian and the Cena effect, I mean, the two guys, his his two guys on the shield, like there were those guys that are, to me, more talented in the in ring than Roman and guys and, and just those guys were completely overlooked. And this guy who hadn't had as much experience as those two. And again, I get it. And I don't buy the whole movie star looks and that's why people hate him. Like mm. I think it, I think there was a point in time in wrestling when that stuff worked and that stuff had an effect on whether you liked a guy or not. Like if, if this was 1985, I'm sure Bruce could talk about that. Like that being an aspect, why you hated a guy. I don't think that, I don't think that's the same so much anymore. I think people understand like, yeah, these like half of like the even the like e, you know EC three who's who's basically a jobber at this point. Like he could steal my girl. Like at this point, like everybody understands that. So yeah. I don't I don't think that plays a role in it now. But I like I think that I think a lot of people looked at the whole John Cena effect, the Daniel Bryan effect, and a little bit the, the CM Punk effect too. Because remember what he said in that podcast too, and Wade brought this up you know years ago in his podcast that you know I think a lot of people listened to what CM Punk said on the show, and it was everything you know whether it was true or not, whatever. You know? We can debate that till the cows come home. But, you know, he was told, make Roman look good. Make Roman look good. Make Roman look good. And that was something that I think people kind of latched onto and was like, yo, mm-hmm. the John Cena thing, the Daniel Bryan thing, CM Punk not being there. And on his way out, basically being told, make make Roman look good. All these things, plus Vince McMahon and his stubbornness, the fact that Roman's, Roman himself bears some responsibility, like, you know, sucker in sucker tash. Like, dude, at some point, you yourself have to look at the material and be like, yo, what, what am I... What am I doing here? Like, what is this? Like, we don't like good soldiers. We do not like good soldiers in in 2019. We want people to to ask questions. We want people to not necessarily argue, but like, like we need to have the conversation about why this thing is the way it is. Like, Roman Reigns shouldn't be out there saying, like you said, suffering succotash. And yeah, we we do. And and whether CM Punk was was telling the truth or not, we all look at Roman Reigns as privileged you know he Mm -hmm. let's put him with the very best talent that we have um coming up from nxt let's make them a faction um again let's let him keep all of the the music Mm -hmm. and the look from this group that was hot um you know remember to even though you're a pro wrestler here you said make roman look good like like everybody does look at him as privileged and and then like you said when you juxtapose that with a Daniel Bryan who was, you know, banging heads with Nigel McGinnis for years in ROH and was considered the best wrestler on the planet and wasn't in WWE, like people love rooting for an underdog. So when these two things exist in the same space at the same time, um, it, it's and people are going to choose sides because that's what we do as a society. Uh, yeah, like it. it Again, I'm, I, I think that Roman Reigns is good. I think that Roman Reigns has the potential to be a big, 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 big star in wrestling. But they told us that for years. And they sh- you, I, we should be saying that, Manny. The company should not be telling should, us. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the, per- put it perfectly right there. So, like, so where do they go from here now with Roman? Um, because obviously now... Obviously, he's returned from the cancer, and thank God. Obviously, you know whatever I feel about Roman Reigns, the wrestler, it's it's not about Roman Reigns, the guy, Joe, uh, the person. Uh, obviously, everybody's happy that he's that he's back. Um, where do you stand on the subject? Of, because I think this is something that's gotten a lot of conversation over the last couple of weeks, as far as you know, 
are fans entitled to boo Roman Reigns now that he's back as Roman Reigns, the wrestler? Can you separate mm-hmm. Roman Reigns, the guy from Roman Reigns, the wrestler? And there's a, there's a, there seems to be like a split in that, in that view in that, like some people are like, Oh, well you can never boo this guy. And there's other people like, no, nah, fuck that. Like, I don't boo the man. Like I'm not sitting here hoping that leukemia mm-hmm. comes back, but like, if I don't like the shit that he's putting out there, or if I don't like the character that he's being presented as, you know, or I don't like his matches, like I'm going to boom. Where do you stand in that kind of wrestling argument right now? Fuck that nigga, man. It don't matter. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Um, I, I think that when he, when he first came back those first couple of weeks, I loved that he got a positive reaction because that was for Joe. You know, yeah. that was, yeah. that was, we're, we're happy that you're healthy. But I mean, if you, I don't think you should have to like a guy because he was sick. Like, I don't, I don't think people should feel like they can't react out of fear of being looked at as a bad person. If you did, if you didn't like him before he got sick, you still don't have to like him. Um, it is just the reality of it. I think that what they do with him from now till like SummerSlam is, is is a big deal because they have a chance to start from scratch. And I, there are always going to be, be, be people who carry a torch for a Daniel Bryan or a Daniel Bryan type or that idea in wrestling of everything should be earned and not given. And while I don't necessarily agree with that, um, I think that I think that Roman Reigns should lose this match to Drew McIntyre and they should, they should build him back up from the ground up and they have a chance to really tell not a redemption story, but they can really reboot a guy that they've invested a lot of time in. Um, and you have all this programming, you have all this talent on the roster. You don't have to just let him run through everybody. You don't have to feed everybody to a Roman Reigns, but I think there is a, a reboot kind of a, a kind of redemption story that exists for him that can get a lot of people on his side. Um, and and I think that's what's going on. Like they have him talking like a person and reacting to his friends the way that people react to their friends. I just think that um, take your time, go slow. And I think that a lot of people who are have always booed Roman Reigns that didn't boo him, you know, for the last little bit because they were worried about the guy and worried about being perceived as bad people for that. I think you can make him somebody not universally loved, but liked by a lot of people. If you tell that story slowly. Um, but yeah, they got to take their time. But it's Vince McMahon, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Roman's going to be, uh, they're going <laughs> to, Roman's going to be the women's tag champs, uh, come <laughs> May, you know, just to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, talk about the Kofi Kingston situation. Um, and I'm going to give you the open mic because I think you are the person that can tell the story better than anybody. Um, the Kofi Kingston situation, obviously, it's interesting because he wasn't supposed to be here. Obviously, we all know the story. Mustafa Ali got injured. Kofi Kingston was put in there as a last minute, basically, replacement. Um, and that gauntlet match really got him over. And, and and Kofi's always been over to a certain extent, but that's what really kind of, I think people have like, I think people forgot because of so many years with the new day, like, damn, this dude is actually like really talented. And he's always had that, that it about him. Like, damn, if they took him more seriously, if they, if they just gave him more opportunities, I mean, you and I both remember MSG 2008. 
where him and Randy Orton, that moment, I thought that that was the moment where you could have done something really major with Kofi. And for one or two many reasons, they, they went in other directions with him. Um, Talk about the Kofi Kingston situation for, as far as him getting over and being in this position that he is in now. And then, of course, the other aspect of the Kofi Kingston situation, the, the black aspect of it, the black superstar, black champion, um, the, 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 the overly kind of stereotypical storyline with Vince McMahon being the kind of you're not good enough because of hint, hint skin color type storyline that they're basically kind of throw out. You know, it's basically a redo of Booker T, Triple H, two, circa 2003. Yeah, I so I, I literally stopped writing um you know, editorials or articles or otherwise when the Mike Brown thing happened. Mm-hmm. And that was gosh, man, how many years has that been? Six, seven years? Oh, this is Mike Brown, yeah. Well twenty fourteen, about five years now. Five, five six years. years uh, about I, years. I, I literally, yeah. The very next thing that I wrote was about Kofi Kingston, uh, two weeks ago. Um <sighs> Kofi Kingston, you know, came to WWE um, and debuted on the uh, the rebooted ECW. Um, had a super long uh, win streak that he ended up losing uh, to Shelton Benjamin um, in like their third match. Kofi Kingston beat Chris Jericho at Night of Champions for the IC title um, due to interference from Shawn Michaels in his first title win. So, you know, Kofi Kingston wasn't always a defined down act. Kofi Kingston seemed to be somebody they thought, um, you know, they could build on. Um, like you talk about the Madison Square Garden thing, um, you know, Kofi was en route, it seemed, to get past Randy Orton. Randy Orton, who was, um, you know, really at the top of the card at that point, or, you know, helping right there. I mean, there's John Cena, then there's everybody else, but Randy right. Orton is the first everybody else at that point, you know, Randy Orton and Batista and whoever else. But, um, yeah, it, it seemed like he was really on his way. And then you turn around and look, um, and Kofi Kingston's been tag champ with like eight different acts, which doesn't speak super highly of what they think of a wrestler. So, you know, they, he lost some steam at that point. You know, he does this thing with, with new day, which was never supposed to get as far as it did, as far as success. Um, and I never really thought about it while it was happening, but Kofi Kingston was the veteran in that group. Like he was, The leader, like, because, you know, in, in, in a three-man group, everybody kind of functions in a way. Like, Big E's the power, and Xavier's the brains. And then you look at it like, like what's Kofi? Kofi's the the veteran super athlete. He's the star in the group. And and it I, I didn't realize it for a really, really long time until they start talking about how Kofi never got a WWE title shot. Like, as a gimmick. And so they started talking about that and they talked about how bad they wanted that for him. And then it clicked. I was like, Xavier Woods and Big E look up to Kofi Kingston. And I, Kofi has one of those looks about him that he could be 21 or 41. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's the good genes. Like we know he's older because he's been around so long, but I always looked at Kofi as being the same age. Kofi was always like 26 to me, you know? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, when guys like big E and Xavier come up after him and you see the admiration that they have for him, it's like, wow. Like Kofi's like they're he's like their OG. And, and yeah, so we fast forward to now, you know, Mustafa Ali gets hurt. They need a guy who's a singles act who can create movement and it's Kofi. 
And that reaction to Elimination Chamber, me watching the TV at Elimination Chamber, rooting for him to win, counting every fall, I, I thought was incredible. And they, they had lightning yeah. in a bottle. Um, and so it's like, wow, Kofi Kingston should be facing Daniel Bryan for the title because look how people are reacting to this. Um, and, and then we get, you know, a month, month and a half of Vince McMahon inserting himself into a story that he really didn't need to be part of. Um, basically telling us the reasons why Kofi Kingston has never had a title shot. And up until last week, the heavy insinuation is that, you know, it has to do with him being black. And it's one of those, those things, Manny, where again, I'm not more important than the next guy, but the reason that we have things like podcasting, the reason that we have things like editorials and, and op-eds is for stories like this because I think a lot of people were thinking what I was thinking when I wrote it. I'm not going to beat around it too long. We'll talk about it. But a lot of people were thinking what I was thinking. They just weren't able to put it into words or they didn't have the platform to where they can say it and they can get out. And my thing was basically, it's not that Vince McMahon doesn't push black wrestlers. It's that Vince McMahon, similar to the thing we talked about with Roman Reigns, he has an idea of what a star looks like, of what uh-huh. a star build around is. And it, it happens to be that Vince McMahon is somebody who isn't around black people. And this is not me saying Vince McMahon doesn't know black people. It's not me saying Vince McMahon hates black people. But Manny, you um you, you live in Seattle now? Yeah. Okay. So I I know you've been in social situations where you're the black guy there. And sure. people ask you the score in sports or people... <laughs> Yeah. Pick you for their pickup game before a guy who's built exactly like you is probably as fast or as tall, but you know, they think right. you're better at it, you know? Right, right. I think right. the Vincent Man has this idea that his audience doesn't know how to relate to regular black people. They have to be Mark Henry, World's Strongest Man. They have to be Bobby Lashley, Armed Forces Wrestling Champion. They have to be Ahmed Johnson, Dallas Cowboy. They have to be Ron Simmons, finished top 10 in the Heisman. Like, you, you see where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. They have to be John Henry. You know, like they, that, that's the type of black people that Vince McMahon thinks America can associate with. They have to be a black superhero. Like, they can't be Xavier Woods' YouTube star. You know, because the the best thing about social media is that people are seeing how multifaceted and multi-layered people that they don't interact with are. You know, um, it, it's it, it kind of brings this whole conversation uh, full circle, Manny. Um, the reason that a show like yours is great. The reason that you want me on a show like yours is because we can look around and say, wow, there are people out there who are just like me who talk about the things that I talk about. It's a conversation. Like if you ask Travis, him and Dre, they said that their show was them sitting out front of their house talking about wrestling. Like that's what they wanted to present. And so this Kofi Kingston thing, Kofi's of course a super athlete, but he's, a guy and i'm saying that in the nicest way possible we had years of you know like what is what is randy orton he's uh 
Yeah, he's you know, a super. He's, he's a top top star who's been who's got the lineage of being a third generation superstar, and he's a guy that basically from day one has been kind of pushed as you know. Like the chosen one, essentially. Like yeah, people forget, he was. People forget, like he was really the chosen one before John Cena. Absolutely, and 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 he dealt with you know injury stuff early on, mm-hmm. and yeah. then attitude stuff, and that's and and was still you know is still regarded as like if if, if WWE made a list, they mm-hmm. put him top fifteen or top twenty in their all time wrestlers, like like politically or otherwise. But I guess what I'm saying is like Randy Orton isn't eight feet tall. Randy Orton isn't four hundred pounds. Right. He's, he's a very good wrestler. Um, and I, I think that a lot of very good white wrestlers have been able to just be very good white wrestlers. Um, they weren't larger than life characters. They were very good white wrestlers. And we haven't had a very good black wrestler who wasn't uh, a college athlete. Like, almost exclusively, we haven't had that. You know, they tried with Shelton Benjamin four or five times. And it was always Shelton Benjamin Orangeburg, South Carolina, University of Minnesota wrestler. It was that every time. Like, that's mm-hmm. what we knew about yeah. him. Um, and, and so this this whole thing with Kofi Kingston, he's it's a chance for them to say we understand that our audience is intelligent and they're smart and they know that the world is bigger than every black guy being a cartoon. Like they they know this, and, and so now we're at this point where I, I don't know if Kofi Kingston wins the WWE title. Like I, I don't know. I, I hope that he does. I think it's going to be a great reaction. I think that that's going to inspire a kid who is thinking about playing sports and is really athletic to to get into wrestling. Like I, I a black kid, you know. Like yeah, there's yeah. that that's coming because if, if this Kofi Kingston thing goes the right way, um, yeah, I just. I, the biggest thing that I wanted to get across in my writing and even in the conversation that we're having now is that, you know, there's more than one type of black athlete. Um, there's more than one type of black personality and black wrestler. And this is a chance for somebody who is more like us than most of the characters that are presented to be successful. And that's going to be good for everybody. Are you worried that he's been defined down to a point of no return? And I know it sounds kind of, I know it sounds kind of stupid to say that because obviously you see the reactions that he's getting. We see that everybody's pushing for him to get this title shot or was pushing for him to get this title shot. And obviously the reaction at elimination chamber and all that. But do you worry that, because I guess my biggest worry is, okay, he gets the title shot. He wins. I don't want that to be, the apex. Like, I don't want that to be the crescendo in the argument. Like, I don't like, I don't want them to do it just to do it and to pay lip service to just doing it. I want them to do it and actually feel like, okay, we have something here with Kofi. Not saying that they're going to bake him basically the Roman Reigns. You know, no, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. But just saying, like, I don't want it to just be token in the sense. Like, because I think people see through that too. Like, okay, well, they're just doing it because they got a lot of heat for not doing it. And now they're just going to do it just to do it. And they're not going to be serious with it. And he's going to be one of those champions, like a Rey Mysterio champion, where he's going to lose every match. He's going to be second from the top. Like, like, I feel like they're in a situation now where, you know, if you're going to do it, go all the way with it. Don't just do it to pay it lip service. And are you worried that he's kind of been too defined down? Because think about it. He's been in New Day now 
for what five years or so, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's been throwing pancakes into the crowd, and they've been doing you know stupid, goofy stuff. To now in this situation where now you're the champion, and you're expected to at least be one of the guys that carries the ball. So are you worried that he's been defined down now to the point of no return? I'm not worried that he's been defined down, but I have the same concerns that you do. Um, And I guess how I explain that I'm concerned they don't know how to write for Kofi Kingston. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm concerned about. Like if he wins the title on Sunday night, I'm concerned about, what happens after extreme rules? Like if he has a title at long, because I, I don't know if they can stop themselves from making it about race. I, 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 I don't know if they can do that. Um, they could have, this man could have not been on camera. Kofi Kingston could have won a number one contenders match and could be facing Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Like that could just be it. You know, um, I, I think that, like Seth Rollins and, and Brock Lesnar right now is based on the fact that Seth Rollins is a very good wrestler and he thinks he's the guy to beat the unbeatable wrestler. It's not about the color of Seth Rollins' skin. It's not about anything that he's done prior to this. It's about that. And if Seth Rollins wins the Universal title, it's going to be about Seth Rollins' great wrestler um, and uh, people trying to beat him. Huh? No, I was just saying, Seth Rollins winning the title and him being champion and him winning the championship. That's the story. Yeah, so I think that Kofi Kingston is still so good in the ring that that's the story that you can tell with Kofi Kingston. Like, AJ was a great champion, right? And was putting on these great matches. AJ's, the the whole story was AJ says, I'm the best wrestler. I'm the face that runs the place. Um, I built SmackDown. You can't beat me. Mm-hmm. Kofi can do that. And I think he can put on matches good enough to where that can be the whole thing. I don't think they can keep themselves from from telling a story about Kofi Kingston being a black champion. So so that does make me nervous. But it's not so much um, about him being defined down. It's about the level of depth that they're going to try to create that they don't need to. Yeah, I agree. I I don't worry so much about the color thing because I think that even you and I think you saw it this week where they kind of like they kind of punted on the whole racial kind of overtones and they kind of punted on that a little bit. If you notice that, like they didn't really kind of bring it up or they didn't kind of allude to it as much this week. I don't think I think in 2019 America, I don't think they'll try to go down that route. And just because they're a publicly traded company. And I think the stigma and the and the and the and the um the history of it is out there that WWE has had, has had this poor history with African-American wrestlers and how they viewed and treated African-Americans in general that I don't think they'll touch on that. My worry is just that he'll be kind of the Rey Mysterio. We'll just be like, oh, he's champion, but you're not going to main event any shows. Yay, he's champion. But, you know, right when he's about to cut a promo, somebody will interrupt him. You know, yay, he's champion, but he's going to get beat up most of the time. That's my bit. And that to me is more harm than just kind of making it a black or white thing. Like, because then you're essentially kind of devaluing his own title reign. So the moment that you work so hard to create, you're essentially devaluing it by basically saying, yeah, we just kind of gave him the championship as a gold watch type of thing. I think that Kofi's going to get a lot more, um, he'll get a lot more offense than the Rey Mysterio did during his reign. Even though Kofi's smaller, 
I don't look at him as a small wrestler. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't even when he was, you know, singles act debuting. It was never um, about him being clever or him fighting from underneath. It was pretty even. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see that. I think Kofi's going to get um, I, I mean, you don't want to call him 50 50 matches, but I think that he's going to be able to hold his own in matches, especially. I mean, the biggest difference between him and Rey Mysterio, if you look at like their direct uh, competition. Like, who does he have in his ecosystem? He has Brian. He has uh, a Kevin Owens, uh, maybe an Orton, an AJ. Yeah. All people he's been um, on the level with over time. So I'm not really concerned about about them treating him like Rey Mysterio, to where he's holding on to the title by this by the skin of his teeth. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll be okay with that. Um, even though, like, you know, you have, like, Billy Graham drawing attention to, like, how small he is. And I'm like, no, nah, he's not really that small. He just, you know, Kobe yeah. could do a couple more push-ups maybe. But, no, I, I think that he'll, he'll be um, – they'll let him go head up, especially in a situation with, like, a Brian as champion. If you look at what they did in Elimination Chamber, um, they let him – they tell the story that physically he's on par with pretty much everybody else. So I hope it stays like that. I'm open to I'm open so too, man. I'm just I I I I think history suggests that Vince is not someone to be trusted on these certain topics, man. And it's yeah. just like and, and, and that's the biggest and that's the biggest worry, man. It's just like uh they're gonna do it and they're just gonna fuck it up. Cause I mean, it's just like they almost fucked up Becky. <laughs> they almost fucked up Becky. Like Becky yeah. was right there, hit him in the face, and they almost fucked that up to the point. So so it's just like I, I don't. You have a little bit more faith in them than I do, honestly, because I, I just don't. Which is crazy because I'm I'm, not, I'm the one that's always they always say I'm the anti one, but yeah. Um, nah, nigga. <laughs> nah, you you coming off like real supportive right now because I'm like, I don't, I don't got that much faith in Vince and his and his cronies, bro. Um, so let's yeah, run through WrestleMania, be. man. Let's run through mm-hmm. WrestleMania. Um, are you excited about this card? Are you excited about WrestleMania? I feel like I feel like every year, and I'm a little bit more excited. I'm a little bit more excited about it this year because I'm going to it, but. Um, I feel like the WrestleMania hype kind of peaks and craters year to year. And some years it's better than others. Other years it's kind of like, uh, and then other years it's like, damn, like WrestleMania kind of like the anticipation for it kind of started up high and then it kind of craters. And then like the week before it built, like, where are you on the WrestleMania hype this year? Like, are you there? Or is it just kind of like, uh... um, it's, it's, it's almost not fair to answer because like, you know, because it's WrestleMania season, like I'm on your podcast, you know what I mean? Right, like, right, 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 right. It's, it's for for us, um, you know, under the torch umbrella. This is kind of, I mean, it's kind of like Christmas for us in that this is when people invite us to do shows. This is when we get to create. This is when we're at the, you know, uh, we're at access doing interviews. This is when business over. is good. This is when business is yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is when this is when the subscriptions go up. You know, so right, I mean, right. this is like that time. But um, you know, from from a fan perspective, um, I, I am excited. Even though I've, I've already kind of tried to figure out what I'm going to watch and what I'm not going to watch, and I always have people over and like I cook and you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, I, I'm excited for a Becky Lynch who, you know, you watch her rise. This is supposed to be like the pinnacle of what she's doing. I'm excited for kind of a turn in in culture with having women main event. Um, I think that having somebody like a Ronda Rousey or who's going to put eyes on WrestleMania that have never watched a WrestleMania and they get to see how good she is um, at wrestling. I, I think I'm excited for that. Um, and from an athletic standpoint, 
it's it's WrestleMania 19 is my favorite WrestleMania. I think it is the apex of star power meets athleticism. I don't think you'll if you go up and down who's on that card, I don't think you'll find a more talented wrestling card um, combined with the amount of star power that they had. Like this is a a show that had you know a Triple H and Booker T for the world title, which has its own issues, but we'll, we'll set that aside. A Triple H and a Booker T. Chris Jericho fought Shawn Michaels, The Rock and Austin for the final time, and Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I think that's a, it's a ridiculous amount of riches. Um, but and you get to this year, and it's like there's so many great athletes on this card. Um, I went to WrestleMania at MetLife, I guess five years ago. Um, so I know like those entrances are going to be crazy. Um, up and down the card, there's so much talent. I'm, I am excited. I'm, I'm always kind of excited. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for this show though because we get like a woman, the women's main event. We have a huge crossover star in the main event. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for the show. What's the match that you're looking for the most? Besides, I, mean, I think I know which one it is, but, but outside from the obvious, like what's a match that you're really looking forward to? Like a match that you're like, this is going to steal the show type of match. Yeah, I, I think that, it, and it's funny, like personal feelings about them aside, that I think Randy Orton and AJ might be really, really good. Like, yeah. I, Randy Orton, um, for, for whatever he is and is not, I, people will tell you, like he's he's up there with um, a Kurt Angle to me in that I some people are just natural wrestlers. You know what I mean? Like, they just adopt to what WWE wants faster than everybody and they look great doing it. I, th- I think Randy Orton is that. I think if you not a a super duper star because if you're building a wrestler from the ground up a lot of people are going to build like ultimate warrior right but mm-hmm. to me in 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 the mid 2000s late 2000s if you're building a wrestler from the ground up they look like randy orton um the fact that randy orton still looks like randy orton after all this time is amazing but i i think that one of his one of the reasons he's been around as long as he does he knows when to flip that switch like randy orton's not a 10-year deal he can do what he wants right but he knows uh, similar to a Brock Lesnar, where if they're in the ring with certain people, they're going to give you everything that they have, and you're going to remember why you rooted for them in the first place. Um, and we know AJ's an all-time talent. I think they got a chance to steal in the show. That match, along with uh, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe. I don't know who did Rey Mysterio's knee surgeries th- this time, but oh, yes. it's like, yeah, because you remember, you remember Rey Mysterio, World Heavyweight Champion, and yeah. Rey Mysterio, when he came back, uh, Rey Mysterio, when he came back, when he was competing for the WWE title, when Cena beat him in mm-hmm. the finals, yeah. where Cena yeah. got like eight buys, that was not Rey Mysterio <laughs> 96. You know what I no, mean? Like he was no. slower, he was heavier. I don't know who did that knee surgery, man. But yeah, Rey Mysterio is Rey Mysterio once more. Samoa Joe is incredible. I think those two matches are the ones outside of main events that I'm most excited for. You think they give them a lot of time though? Cause that's the one thing about, and it's in a show like this with so many matches, it's like, that's the one worry I have is like a match like Samoa Joe and Ray probably won't get the amount of time that it, sh- that it honestly deserves. So I don't know how great it's going to be. I mean, I think those two guys, I mean, if you give them five minutes, they can give you five great minutes. So I'm not too worried about that, but I, I do worry about the time when you have a freaking show with 14 damn matches in it. That you know, I hope, the time allocation is going to be an issue. 
I hope we get an AJ uh, AJ Orton sprint similar to Kurt Angle Rey Mysterio from SummerSlam way back when. I'd love to see them just try to run through a six minute match and go crazy. Um, it, it, you know, I, I that's what I'm bad at predicting. I love predicting like winners and losers, but time allocation. Oh God! And, um, I think about how long the walk is down that ramp. How elaborate the yeah. are going to be. Um, yeah, those. I mean, I think that those have a chance of stealing the show. I don't know how much time they get though, because low key, like this could be a seven hour wrestling show. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, gonna, I, know. I hope you. Hey, don't forget your coat, because yeah, we were out there. Uh, what uh, thirty? Or 29. We were out there for 29, and damn, we froze out there drinking Puff Daddy's Ciroc uh, sitting outside wow. at that arena. I'm like, yeah, it's cold. But uh, yeah, I, I'm i worried about the amount of time those matches will get. Like, the 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 Andre Battle Royal is going to get way more time than it needs. <laughs> well, yeah, now that they got Braun and, and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah so. but, you know, um, I don't know, like... How they set up the pre-show is going to be really interesting. I think they should go ahead and let that run long so that these shows or so these matches can get more time. Uh, but yeah, th- those are the two matches I'm looking forward to the most. Absolutely. Uh, where do you stand on the time of of, of the show? Because I feel like there's been a lot of conversation over the last few years of WrestleMania being so long. And you know, I went to I went to the one in Orlando, so WrestleMania 33. Mm-hmm. Um. And I and I've always said it's like it's weird because when you are watching it on television, it's different than when you're there in the in the arena and you're there and you're caught up in the in the mania hype and the the euphoria of being in the building. So it's a little different. It didn't feel as long. And then when I went home and I watched it like a couple of days later on the network, like damn, I can feel like so I I would think like I I understood like why people were just complaining and saying, yo, this shit is way too far. Like it's just, it's a marathon. I've never gone back and watched a WrestleMania that I attended. It's one of those things where when it's done, it's done. I never want to see it ever again. If I was there, you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't right. go back and watch. But um, th- again, Manny, this is this circles back to something that we talked about. People don't want to have conversations. People want to be right. Uh-huh. So when 33-year-old Cameron Hawkins, who, uh, you know, all of a sudden needs eight hours of sleep because his body quit on him. When I say WrestleMania is too damn long. I'm not saying that you should not enjoy your 45 hours of WrestleMania. I'm saying it's too damn long. I'm saying the way that I process information, I can't sit in front of a TV for seven hours and watch the whole thing. Um, And people will say, well, nobody told you to sit in front of it. Like, let us enjoy it. No, I I want you to enjoy your show. My personal taste is that that's too damn long for anything. Like, I, I love NXT. I think NXT is the best wrestling show on TV because it's one hour a week. It leaves you wanting more. Um, exactly. There's yeah, so much WWE programming. Like, if you include NXT, um, right now, they have, what, six original hours of programming every week. So, like, I a three-hour show, there's not that many stories that I want to see. SmackDown's two hours. I feel like that's good. An hour and a half could be fantastic. But, yeah, there, there's so much. And so for that to culminate in a show that's longer than all of your combined programming for a week, um, that that's a lot. I, I When people make the argument that, well, everybody works hard, so we should have, have everybody on WrestleMania. They should all get the showcase. It's like, well... 
I fucking hate that argument. Like I, that yeah. shit drives me insane. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't mean that shit drives me up the fucking wall. Like this. Like seriously, does e, does EC3 deserve to be on the WrestleMania card? Like honestly, like take your fandom out of it and look at it objectively. Does EC3 deserve to be on the WrestleMania card? Yeah. Does Alicia Fox deserve to be on the WrestleMania card? Does does the Ascension deserve to be on the WrestleMania card? Like get the fuck out of here. This this yeah. this overly you know sensitive everybody deserves a shot everybody deserves a pat on their back fuck that like uh oh man yeah i don't i don't internalize wrestlemania as like a gift you know what i mean i think that yeah. if if let's say that drew mcintyre was uh the very best wrestler on the planet right Let's just 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 to have a name out there, right? Drew McIntyre can do everything as good or better than everybody, right? All right. If they didn't have a story with Drew McIntyre that got him to WrestleMania, I wouldn't be upset that Drew McIntyre wasn't on WrestleMania. Like to me, it, WrestleMania is not the Super Bowl. You know, it's a movie, and like, imagine being upset that Thor wasn't in Civil War. It's a story. They told us why he wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like, right. and, I, and granted, every wrestler's dream is to be in the main event of WrestleMania, right? It don't work out like that for everybody. It just doesn't. And it's not an affront to you. It's not a slap in the face. If the story doesn't dictate you being there, we shouldn't just shoehorn you in there. That's like now. saying like that's like saying your favorite underground rapper should perform at the Grammys. Like, no, yeah. it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, it's not about there's no deserve in wrestling. Like you deserve to be treated with respect. That's the only deserve. You deserve to get paid for your time. Those are the two deserves. There's no ex wrestler should be at WrestleMania because they worked really, really hard. No, like it, that's not how anything works. If the story doesn't dictate you being there, we shouldn't just throw you there. Like, and, and you said the, the Ascension and Alicia Fox, right? There's no story reason for aside talent aside. There's no story reason for the Ascension to be at WrestleMania. Like right. the Usos are to me. If and you can put in, I guess the Hart Foundation. Um, I kind of. Agent Christian and the Dudleys and the Hardys to me kind of cancel each other out because they had each other. And so when yeah. you try to make the argument that one of those three is the best WWE team of all time, I'm like, well, they all had each other to play off. Like it's, it's hard to, how good was the Utah jazz in the late nineties? Mm. They, they just happened to be the team. The bulls beat all the time. I don't know. I can't, I can't equate how good they were at the time. I don't know. But when, um, yeah, like, like take talent, um, Aside, the Usos to me are the very best WWE tag team of all time. The best, and, and they never got, me and you got it. Me and you got into it on Twitter about yeah. that. And the only issue I have with that is it, it's bringing it to a sports conversation. Is I think you have to judge talent on the era that they're in, and I think that if you're yeah, judging yeah. the Usos objectively. This has kind of been a weak era of tag team wrestling. So it's like, how yeah. how much do I value you being great in a devalued era in your division? Now it's and not your fault. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not their fault. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was just gonna say, like, it, it's funny that like the exact reason that you say they can't be the best, like, it's I'm using the exact opposite logic to say why one of those TLC teams can't be the best because they had each other. So no, no, no. like, like. 
again, we're having a conversation. You're not wrong for how you're explaining it. Like I, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I feel the opposite, but it doesn't mean what you're saying doesn't make perfect sense because it does. Um, but, but okay. But, but for, for the sake of what I'm saying, I say that they're the best WWE team of all time, right? Right. They've, uh, whether they are or not, look at how many times they've been tag champs, right? Look at even storyline stuff that they've had them do on TV. Um, I think that when, you know, when American Alpha showed up, that's when the Usos were like, you know what? We aren't being looked at the right way. Let's fix this. And, and that's when they kind of took off. You look at the matches that they had with, with New Day to get them over. You look at what happened this last week in the tag team gauntlet. The Usos have never been on WrestleMania, man. Never. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think I had to think about it like, damn, they really have it on the actual they show itself. They've been on WrestleMania. Yeah. No? I'm sure they've done pre-show. But yeah. And guess what? I'm not mad. <laughs> like, it, it it hasn't worked out for them. Like, and it sucks. I'd love to see them in a WrestleMania match. I didn't tweet one time about how much the Usos deserve to be at WrestleMania. Because to have them there, to have them there is just, I don't know. Wrestling is still a a TV show. It's still an ongoing story. And if right now, there's not a reason now. Granted, if you say, hey, Cam, would you rather see Miz and Shane or the Usos just sit in the ring on chairs and talk? It would be the Usos sitting in the ring on chairs and talking. But right. yeah, it's just, it, it's being on WrestleMania, um, I, I don't see it as like some type of privilege um even though it's kind of handed out like that to some people but i don't know does the story dictate you being there and if it doesn't why make a big fuss about it yeah I, i'm with you on that one like i just hate that argument i feel like it's so stupid it's so overly sensitive like oh no everybody deserves a gold watch or everybody like i hate that like no don't like your I favorite don't like art- participation trophies no like, I, I, I agree. participation like, trophies yeah <laughs> your, your, your favorite act who acts in B-level movies doesn't get to just appear at the Oscars because he's your favorite actor. Like, he doesn't, you know, your favorite underground artist isn't going to perform at the Grammys. Like, like there's just, there's merit to things in life. I, I know, call me crazy. But like, and again, that's not an argument of saying that they deserve it or don't deserve it. I'm just saying, like, if they don't deserve it or the storyline doesn't dictate it, don't just put them out there and just put them out there. But going back to the you length deserve, of the show, man. I was say, you deserve respect and you deserve to be paid for your time. There's really no other deserve. Right. And then and then it's like it's go back to the length of the show time uh, argument is it's needlessly long. It's not like it's long and they're going out there and every match is this 30 minute just nonstop, just five star epic. No, (laughs) it's like seven hours long with musical performances that are terrible. Um with skits and dumb shit sprinkled in and like like that's the thing that i think annoys me it's like if you're gonna do seven hours at least make it a worthwhile seven hours don't just give me seven hours where four of them are actually or two of them are actually really good and the rest of it is just filler that's my issue yeah Uh, it's it's too damn long (laughs) yeah it's it's just way 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 too long It's, it's, it's it's criminally long so let's just run down the car man um I guess we could just start with the championship match, man. Uh, Brock and Seth. How do you see that one playing out? I think Seth wins. Um, I, I don't know what that means going into fall. I, I don't know if they are going to always hold on to this idea that having Brock as champion looks good uh, as far as promotions and advertising and going into network meetings. Uh, but I think Seth wins uh, clean, uh, middle of the ring. Um yeah, I definitely think Seth wins because like eventually somebody has to stop this guy and they know that it can't be Roman. 
<laughs> I think they finally know that. Like, it, I, I do think that Seth wins that. Uh, I disagree on you on that one. I think they're going to keep Brock as a champion, man. I really do. Wow. I think I think they're going to keep Brock. I think they like having the title on Brock. Um, and I think, see, I'll, I I would have went the other way had Roman not come back for this first mm-hmm. I would have went the other way. But now that Roman's back, I, I just have a funny suspicion that Brock is going to win. Like, I think, I think it'll be similar to the Finn Balor match. I think it'll be similar to the Daniel Bryan match and that, you know, Seth basically gives him a run for his money and, you know, almost looks great in defeat. But I just think Brock is just it's gonna win. I just think they like having the title on Brock and I think they're I think they I think they see taking the title off of Brock that as that moment, that ultimate crescendo moment. Like that's the moment where we build our next guy. Now it may be Roman, it may be it may be Seth. I'm not saying you you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't I don't see it as this time. I, I don't because I also feel like they would make a big deal of it if it's finally like this is finally the moment. And and I feel like this match in a lot of ways has kind of gotten overshadowed by Beth and or by uh, Becky and uh, and Ronda's match, and and to a certain extent, Roman coming back and the Shield reunion and the last like I feel like this match has kind of kind of kind of gotten overshadowed in a lot of ways. So that's what makes me think that they're not doing the title change on the show. Mm, I, I mean, it did go from definitely the main event of the show to all of a sudden maybe the third biggest title match. So, I mean, they could definitely get away with um, Brock retaining and the crowd not totally hating it. That's a very good possibility. Uh, Triple H and Batista. Triple H. It's interesting interesting we haven't talked about this match more. Like, in other years, like, this would be a match that most people talk about. But I I feel like this match is a... It would be co-main event or, you know, one of the main events. And no, it's just a match. Um, Yeah, I I don't see Triple H retiring um, in a match with somebody who's a special attraction. Um, It's weird. The, The feud is literally, you get on my nerves. And why doesn't anybody else see the things about you that I don't like. <laughs> That's what the piece is mad about. You know, so no, I think that um yeah, Triple H definitely wins. Like I can't see him retiring. The Triple H is going to like pull like the, the biggest swerve on us and either uh Booker T or uh Velveteen Dream is gonna be the one to finally retire. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's, it only it only fits, right? It only fits. Mm-hmm. One of those guys are the one. Uh Shane McMahon and the Miz. Um, yeah, me, see, me and Travis talked about this. We, we kind of diverge on this. I think that the Miz wins and gets like his cool WrestleMania moment. Um, he seems to think that Shane like wins and this feud continues on through the summer. I, I, I think I hope that Miz wins so that Shane can go away because again, they're, they're also feuding over nothing. Um, and yeah, I'm going to say Miz, uh, Miz doesn't have like the best, uh, the best WrestleMania record hasn't had a lot of big, even though he has like a WrestleMania main event um, where he won the title in the main event of WrestleMania <laughs> or retained the title. Um, yeah. I think that I think Miz wins. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Finn. Uh, Finn Balor. I think Finn Balor is coming out as the demon. Um, I don't think that they have the demon lose um, anytime in the near future. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, Demon Balor beats Bobby Lashley. Ray and Samoa Joe. <sighs> Samoa Joe due to Dominic's interference. Interesting. Yeah, they're, they're, that's almost too obvious now at this point. Like, it's so random that Dominic just showed up out of nowhere. Like, 
just and it, 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 like in every interview that he's been doing the last couple of weeks, Dominic's been there. So of course they're just like literally waving red meat at you. Like, yep, he's going to be a part of this storyline somehow, some way. Um, Boston hug connection versus the divas of doom. Beth, I didn't even know that's where their name were. Okay. The iconics and uh, Nia Jax and Tamina fatal four way for the tag team cha- for the women's tag team championship. I'm going to say retain um, and we'll, get to it a bit later on, but I think that WWE's four horsewomen all have titles end of the night. Um, yeah, I just I just don't see storyline-wise any of those teams being strong enough to beat them. It being a fatal four-way always kind of lends me to somebody retaining if they have the title if there's no specific, like, you know, beef between them. Um, yeah, brand new titles. Um, first time they're going to be defended. Sasha Banks has, I think to this point, never successfully defended um, a title on the main roster. So I think, yeah, that that all goes away. They retain. Uh, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Any predictions on who's going to win that marvelous thing? Whoever I have over who's expecting wings. Because that's what I'll be in the kitchen doing when that match is on. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, Apollo Crews, I don't know. Don't you like? Don't you think they should add something to that match, like uh, some kind of a stipulation, some kind of like, hey, you get a title shot? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Instead of a trophy, yeah, either uh, intercontinental or U.S. title opportunity. I feel. I feel. I've always. I've always said this. Uh, I know. I. I don't think I'm in the minority. I feel like the money in the bank match should have stayed at WrestleMania. That's just. That's just how. Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, this is we messed up, Manny. We liked it too much. We said too many good things about it. Because we talked about how great and how novel and how awesome of an idea it was, and they made a whole pay-per-view out of it. So we got to start curving that. We have to yeah. like golf clap for things that we like. But no, yeah, it should have stayed there. Um, I think it was a, a great match, and that's a way to get six, seven people into a match um, without it seeming you know, shoehorned like a battle royal. Um, exactly. But yeah, I, I'll, I'm, I'm going for everybody black, so Apollo Crews. Word. Word. Um, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. I think Drew wins. I, I yeah. think Roman Reigns loses, um, and they start this long-term story of, of the Roman Reigns rebuild. Um, yeah, I think – and Drew doesn't need it. I, I really think Drew's almost uh, to a level of he can lose a match and get his heat back. I think his look is so good. He's so good on, on the microphone. Um, yeah, I, I think that he does win this pretty decisively, right? I was going to ask you, where are you on Drew McIntyre? Like, I just, I don't see it with Drew, man. It's like, there's certain guys that I just look, everybody tells me it's great. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I think yeah. the, the biggest thing to me, like, I, I believe his words, um, aside from him being really athletic, him having, you know, he rebuilt his body, man. Like he's, you know, way different than he was the last time, but his conviction in his words. And to me, that's one of the most important things you can have as a wrestler for the things you say to really hit home with me. So I, 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 I get you not seeing it because I've, you know, we, we've talked for a while. I have an idea kind of, kind of how your tastes fall in line in wrestling. Um, but yeah, I, I think he wins that and, and is at the top of the card um, after this match. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. It's just something about him that's just like uh, just uh, I, I don't I don't see it. I, I just don't I don't see it. To me, he's kind of a more serious Sheamus. Like he's 
a more serious, not as ridiculous looking Seamus. Like, eh, he's he's. Ta- I don't get me wrong. I think he's talented. Like the dude is incredibly talented. It's just you ever just had that with a wrestler? It's just like that one thing that I just I don't. I don't see it. Like I'm waiting to see it. And it's just, it's, it's, you can't put a word on it. You can't put a description by it. It's just that it, I don't see that it with him that other people do. I don't know. Maybe I'm I wrong. Was, Maybe I'm, I'm trying to think who I was like that with. Um, Cause there's, there's somebody people told me was good that I felt the same way about. Low key. I'm like that. I'm like that a lot with Finn Balor. Like, I just think Finn is just like, like, you know how some people, and we'll, and I'm not going to let you leave this show without the J. Cole discussion. So I'll, I'll I, I know. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know how some people feel J. Cole is boring? Like, uh-huh. I feel like Finn Balor is boring. Like, he's just, he comes to the ring, his entrance is cool. And I know he can wrestle. Like, he's a dope mm-hmm. wrestler. It's just, it, he doesn't move me. He doesn't captivate me. It's just like, uh, like, okay. I think that if you, um, did you watch the uh, NXT UK match, uh, the takeover match with him and Jordan Devlin? I did see that. That was that was a hell of a match. He, I mean, he yeah. has amazing matches. Yeah. Like, I, 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 me, it's weird. Yeah, to me, that's more that Finn Balor is who should be on TV and who I think would have a, a, a better. I think you would react better to him if he was more that. I think cocky almost heel Finn Balor is better than white meat baby face cool moves Finn Balor um but but I but I do think for, for somebody like him again when when a 70 year old white guy is writing for you um who doesn't necessarily have his pulse on what's cool I don't think your cool comes across as well no. um so he does have that for me but I I look at Finn Balor like NXT champion Finn Balor. And I think I'm always going to look at him through those lenses. So even if they don't present him as strongly as I think they should, that's who I'm seeing. And so I'm always going to be like, yeah, he's good. He's super talented. Like, I'm not anti him. Like, get mm-hmm. off my... He doesn't have go away heat with me, but it's just like, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. Everybody tells me Finn Balor's great. And I'm just like, I'm just waiting to see the greatness. Like, I'm just waiting to see that that next level in him. Like, mm-hmm. I personally think he should be demon full time. Like, that's just me. And I know mm-hmm. I'm not the only one that feels that way. Like, I feel like he should be demon all the time. Because I feel like I'm more captivated by demon Finn Balor than just regular white meat baby face Finn Balor. I, I don't know, man. I'm just like that with Finn Balor. But uh, like with Drew, Drew is more like go. It's not go away heat, but it's kind of like uh, I'm just not. I'm not there with you, dog. Like I'm just not there. Maybe because I'm just too. I'm too used to the Drew McIntyre towards the end of his run with Three and B that I just can't. I'm not. I'm not allowing myself to see it anymore. But I just. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not there with Drew McIntyre. But hey, to <laughs> each his own, man. If he's Finn Balor, or if he's Demon Finn the whole time, it's going to be the longest show ever. <laughs> that, that entrance is going to take forever on it. Nigga, it's already long. Yeah. Shit, it's already long. Yeah. Shit. But anyway, there. <laughs> uh, where we leave off at? Uh, the cha- the WWE Championship match. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Kofi. Yeah, I'm gonna say Kofi Kingston wins. I, I have to believe that. Like, I have to <laughs> for the sake of of stories and and payoffs and language and um for cool stuff for us to write about and create. I'm definitely going to say Kobe Kingston wins. I say Daniel Bryan retains. I Ooh, think they draw okay. it out. I think they draw it out a little longer. 
I think Vince is, is he likes to play with the audience. I think everybody's going to go into this expecting it to be a title change. And I think Vince is going to just pray no, for no other reason other than the fact that, you know, those son of a bitches think they're going to just get a title change. So I just think he's going to, I think he's going to pull the strings. I think he's just going to extend it a little. It'll be a fuck finish type of thing where Daniel does something to get, you know, not get himself disqualified, but he'll cheat some way to win. Um, and everybody, and it kind of grows that anticipation and that momentum for Kofi to finally win. Um, so I think he, I think Daniel Bryan retains. That's just that's just my opinion on that one. Um, hmm, I think we got a couple matches left. Uh, Buddy Murphy and Tony Nice. Buddy Murphy. Um, I, I like Tony Nice. I think he's good. Um, Buddy Murphy is just this this out of nowhere super special talent. I don't yeah, think anybody nice. beats him until they have another somebody they expect to be a big star in the cruiserweight division i I, yeah if there's one lock on this card i think that's the lock Mm. uh aj and randy orton uh i'm gonna say randy orton just so Ah. they can so they can feud longer um i think i think randy orton wins it um and i think that thing keeps going through summer yeah i agree with you only though i think aj wins the first bout like I think okay. AJ wins yeah. first, and then I think it's something where Andy does at the end where he attacks him to keep it going or something like that. Um, I can see that happening. Um, let me see. We talked about the championship matches. I think we only got one match left, I believe, and that is oh, do you care the the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal? Uh, hopefully Naomi. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> I think it would be interesting if, if um, like, a Shayna Baszler were to lose at TakeOver and then win the uh, Women's Battle Royale. Okay. See something like that. But um, yeah. if I just have to go main roster, I think it comes down to probably Asuka and Naomi. And then um, Naomi beats Asuka in the end. Uh, don't bring up Asuka. So much of uh, <laughs> it. Yeah. It just brings a tear to my eye. Store point. Yeah. yeah. It just brings a tear to my eye. All right. And then the main event. Uh, the triple threat, uh, WWE Raw Women, or oh shit, now it's for both titles. Uh, triple threat women's championship match, Becky, Ronda, and Charlotte. Who you got winning? I have Becky winning. Um, I, I, I think that Becky pins Ronda to win the Raw Women's title. Um, I'm hoping that Becky does not pin Charlotte. To win Ronda's title, um, I, I so think you don't want, so you don't want them to unify the titles. Well, from what I understand, the only uh, title that's on the line is the Raw Women's Championship. I oh, don't really? think they've had, yeah, I don't think they've had language saying that both titles are on the line or that they're unifying. And I could be wrong, but I think they've, from from the graphics that I've seen, it's only the Raw Women's title that's that's up for grabs. Um, if that changes, if it's a, a unification, I'd still want to see Becky beat Ronda. I think that's the important part of the story about Ronda taking a loss and how she comes back from that, whether it's six months or a year or whenever from now. But yeah, I, I'm going to say Becky beating Ronda um, to win the Raw Women's title. Or if, in the event that it is a unification match, still the same finish. Hmm. Uh, I'm with you. I think Becky wins. I actually have her pinning Charlotte mm. um, because I think they can, they can, because I think they're going to make us wait for that, that eventual Ronda 
Becky match. And I think this like is the a one on one. I got you. Yeah, the one on one. Yeah. And this is their way of actually doing it, you know, by, you know, ha- not having her take the pin. And I actually think that your storyline actually works better with her complaining that she lost without having actually taken a pin. Mm-hmm. And she's bitches and moans and goes away and then comes back six months, does or six months to a year, comes back, attacks Becky, does something where that match is 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 needed. You know what I mean? So I, I actually feel like I actually feel it makes more sense in that sense to have her beat Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Because you know, after Ronda goes away, that feud is obviously gonna continue anyway. So you, you you kill two birds with one stone. You you kind of leave the Ronda thing hanging. Ronda can cut promos about how she you know she hates WWE. She lost the championship without losing. Blah 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 blah. And then you know she shits on Becky because it's like oh you talk all this shit but you didn't beat me. Blah blah blah. And then that kind of sets up their match in the future. And it gives Becky her moment. And then it also still sets up Charlotte and Becky going forward. So. I yep. feel like you kill three birds with one stone in it by doing that finish. But I mean, your finish is quite possible. I mean, they just do the do the straight, clean finish on Ronda and just be done with it. So I, I could definitely see that happening too. Yeah, I think the 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 important visual, um, you know, for for the mainstream is probably the three of them standing in the ring together, um, and I think they care about Ronda Rousey competing at WrestleMania, but. I, I do think they plan on making a lot of money with Ronda Rousey in the future. And so not having her involved is kind of a way to protect her. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll. I, I do think how, how they choose to finish that match is the most interesting part of WrestleMania as a whole. How does this thing end, at least for the time being? I think we both agree it ends with Becky as champion, but... Those are the visuals. Ronda in the ring, Becky raising the title. They probably don't think that we're super concerned with everything that happens in between that. And they're probably counting on that, um, right. you know, to, to, to maneuver around that. Absolutely. Uh, are you a little disappointed that they kind of announced the main event so, so early in advance? Like, cause I feel like that's one of the added bonuses of, of going into WrestleMania and WrestleMania week and the speculation of what match goes on last and who main events. And even as you're watching the show, like trying to predict like, Oh shit, you know, the, the triple H match is going on in the first hour. So that means that this match is going to main event. Like, do you feel like they lost a little bit of that by just kind of an, even though I think it's been in the, in the consciousness that they're going to main event with the women you know, mm-hmm. since pretty early on, like, do you, do you kind of feel like you missed, they missed out on that by like having that out there, like having that, that guesswork. You know how, like you'll, you'll log into Twitter and then the conversations always, you know, you know how for like six months, the conversation was about $200 dates and it was about mm-hmm. splitting rent and all that stuff. And you look on Twitter and you're like, would y'all just shut the fuck up? I think that's what happened here. Yeah. I think that they do get it in their minds where they're like, yo, I'm tired of people adding us about this. I'm sick of the speculation. Let's just tell them what the main event's going to be. I agree with you. I do think it loses something when you, when I think you just make it the main event. It just is. And you don't, you know, have to put this fancy thing on top of it to let us know. I think they should have just had it be the main event without any type of qualifiers. I understand why they got out in front of it, but I agree. I think it would have been a cooler effect if it was just the main event, if we just saw it mm-hmm. happen live. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And some years, like, you just, you know, like, WrestleMania 28, like, everybody knew Rock Cena was the main event. Like, there's, there's no way they was going to get away with putting any other match 
you know, the only one that you could probably consider is the end of the era, Undertaker, Triple H, Hell in Summit. That's like the only one that you could probably rationalize going on last. Other than that, everybody knew from a mile away. And it was just understood. Rock, Cena, main event. Like, that was the main event. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but this but a year like this, when it is such a stack card, like, I feel like having that mystery of like, damn, what show, what match actually closes out the show, you know, I, I feel like they did miss out on that. Like, I feel like, damn, that kind of takes away from the show a little bit. Like, we kind of know, because I feel like that also, everybody's now like sitting there waiting for the main event. Now. Like, everybody's like, okay, like, we don't have that, that anticipation of what match goes on last. Like, everybody knows which match goes on last. So now it's just kind of like, you're playing the waiting game, the seven hour and extremely long waiting game. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So now that yeah, you you, I think they should just let it play out. Yeah, I think absolutely. it really should have. Because then, like, when when the third hour, assuming it's like a four hour show, when the third hour ends with the WWE Championship match, then you just know. And I think you do kind of your attention peaks because then you're like, oh yeah, we know what we're getting at the end. So yeah, it would have been nice if they had just let it kind of happen organically. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, before you go, man. Um, <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> dog. Why are you constantly slandering Mr. Jermaine Cole on Twitter? Like, why? Why? What? What, what is? What goes into this logic? What, 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 why are you not a J Cole fan? I have to. Okay. Know. I have. I have to. I have to have an in-depth, only Cam way of doing it. An explanation to me of why you don't. Why you just not feeling J Cole? I'm going to tell you a funny story. And it's not that I'm not feeling him. It, it's that. Oh, let, <laughs> oh, he's boring. You're going to be one of these niggas, right? That's, oh, he's just boring. No, like, no, no, oh. no, 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 no. When, um, I'm okay. So lights, please. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, lights, please came out in 2009. Right. Yeah. Something. And, and I, it is, I think it's a fantastic song. Um, this is like kind of me first hearing J. Cole, right? So uh, me and my girl got together in 2010, right? So before we got together, I was in the streets, heavy, heavy, right? Uh, this girl I used to deal with who um, I've known like since high school, right? We hang out one night, uh skip around in this story. So the, like the next morning, um, <laughs> we're, we're having a conversation and like J Cole comes up and again, this is like, Oh nine, 2010. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, he's cool or whatever. Like, you know, he got, he got some stuff, Manny. I'm literally like, you know, I'm cleaning up after. And yeah. she tells me, <laughs> and she we, tells we get me, it. You have to have a certain level of intelligence to understand J. Cole. <laughs> in 2010, I'm fresh out, and you're t- and I'm having this conversation. You, this is somebody who knows me, who um went to high school with me. We went to like this, you know, this magnet school that you had to beat out thousands of kids to get into. Somebody who knows the college I went to. I know the college they went to. This is a person I've just laid down with. And they're telling me I have to have a certain level of intelligence to understand J. Cole. My issue with J. Cole is that his fans are irrational about J. Cole. Like, for you to tell somebody who, I'm not going to say, like, she looked up to me, but for you to know how smart somebody is, for you to have, like, 
seen somebody's creative process and all that kind of stuff for you to tell them they have to have a certain level of intelligence to understand this person. I, I, I was flabbergasted when people do that thing where I say like, yeah, J. Cole's cool or whatever. When their response is, okay, if J. Cole is just cool, who are your top five favorite artists? Like it just creates this narrative that just shouldn't exist. Like J. Cole is a very good rapper, man. He's very good. I think that, um, he seems to, and I, I think he's done a better job at this lately, but I think J. Cole had too many projects before his first album, you know, and he can't control that. Yeah. You know, you're, you're working up to like the rock nation thing. Like he, that's not his fault, but he had so much material. Um, and a lot of it was about a single moment in time and not a single moment, but you know, it's about being, between 17 and 21 and dealing with girls at that time and trying to figure out what the world is. Um, and so I think by the time it got to the point where he was making these albums, um, I just, my attention wasn't there anymore because I was anticipating it, you know, from the jump. Um, I, I, I think that one negative that he does have, and this is from the art side. I, I don't like his beat selection. I don't like that he does so much of that in-house. I'm very curious. I love how he sounds on features. I love how he sounds on features because Absolutely. that's somebody else's, you know, somebody else's blueprint, somebody else's sound, and him applying his words to it. I think that if he was more open with his production, then he would, he'd have a, more of a fan in me. But I don't not like J. Cole. I like messing with J. Cole fans because it's okay. just man you're a smart guy but like you I, I, don't, I don't think you get irrational about j cole you're okay but like a lot of people just they they turn their brains off when they have a conversation about j cole and credit to him for inspiring that kind of fan base i, I find it hilarious though because i i don't understand the energy i feel you on that and i respect what you're coming from. And I, and I, now that you've put some explanation by it, I, I completely understand it. I do understand that J Cole fans are irrational. I really do. Like I get it. Cause I, even I talk to some J Cole fans and I'm like, all right, y'all, y'all making us look bad. Like I will <laughs> tell you, it's like any, it's, it's like any, any fandom, right? Like there's the extremism and then there's just kind of like the normal rationale. I feel like it's an 80, 20, like 80% of us are just normal you know, hip hop fans that happen to love J. Cole. Like we understand J. Cole is great. We like him. We just want him to get his just due, but we don't go off the bridge with it. Like, yo, you, if you dare say J. Cole, you just didn't like a J. Cole song. You're, you're, you're an infidel. Like we don't go off the bridge with that shit. Like, and then there's tweeted, the, uh, a kid tweeted, and, and this is the whole tweet. He just said, there are people who don't think J. Cole is a top five rapper. And I was like, this is why people don't like J. Cole. <laughs> That's specifically why. Like, why are we having this conversation? Nobody asked that. <laughs> you just volunteered that. Um, I, but, but, you, but you know what? Um, like, Manny, you're, you're a big Kobe fan, right? Yeah. And you should be, because Kobe's amazing. I think that um, if, if I had to do, like, an all-time ranking of players, right, Kobe would fall somewhere between 10 and 20. When we have this conversation about Kobe – Jordan or LeBron being one, two, or three. None of my stance on that is in no way a knock on Kobe Bryant at all. But here's what I think happened. I think when we decided that Michael Jordan was the very best basketball player ever, whoever was going to supplant him as the best player had to play his position or something similar. 
Like they had to be. And when I say we, I'm not talking about you and me. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. Like yeah. Kobe's game being modeled after Michael Jordan, I think made it easier for people to say Kobe Bryant is either Michael Jordan or right under Michael Jordan. Because I think that when when you go accolades stacked up right against each other, yeah. I would say, and of course I'm a homer because I'm from San Antonio, I'd say Tim Duncan's better than Kobe Bryant, right? Yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to let you get away with that shit either, but go ahead. But, it, but if you go uh, award for award, credential for credential, I think Tim Duncan has the edge, but they're right there. Like they're they're neck and neck. When we talk championships, when we talk finals MVPs, when we talk all-star appearances, when we talk all-defensive team, like they're, they're right there, right? And, and they play two yeah. different games. But I think it's telling that a lot of people won't bring Tim Duncan up in that conversation. So then you look at it, you say, okay, what's the biggest similarity between a Jordan and a Kobe and a LeBron? Even though LeBron plays out of position, LeBron's more or less a three, which isn't super different from a two. And that's why I think the conversation gets stuck there. I think when, when we decide how great somebody is, we will ignore certain things that are right in front of us in order to further our point along. I think J. Cole, something <laughs> about him, something about the way he creates music inspires people to do that for him. Just like my little brother does the same thing with Wayne, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> well, listen, I, I think I think two, two, two different things to point out there. So uh, going to your sports argument for a second, I think it's actually made Kobe's Kobe greatness kind of be overshadowed and overlooked because he's so similar to Jordan. And, and I feel like that's what hurts Kobe. Like, hmm. it, 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 it almost hurts Kobe's greatness because he's too much like Jordan and he, hmm. and he and his era kind of interlapped Jordan's. So I feel like that actually hurts people. Like I think if I think had Co- I think if Jordan had retired, then it was LeBron, then it was Kobe. I think Kobe historically would have fared better, but I think mm-hmm. following Jordan so closely and overlapping him in a lot of ways, I feel like people kind of can't get past that. Like I, I've had this conversation with basketball people that I respect, and they just like, yeah, he's nice and he's great, and we all know that, but he's Col- but he's MJ Light. Mm-hmm. And light is never going to be compared to the the original, you know what I mean? And I feel like, and that's and that's a hard stigma to get away from, you know what I'm saying? It's a hard stigma to say like, yeah, he's M- he's great, he's just like MJ, but he's not MJ. Like he's like 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 he's like he's bar- like he's Macy's brand MJ. Mm-hmm. I want Nordstrom's brand MJ. Like you know what I'm saying? And that's what a lot of people <laughs> I think, view. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of people view in Kobe. And I feel like I don't just I don't I don't feel like the next great player, the guy that takes the mantle from Jordan has to play like Jordan. I almost feel like it's better for him to be different than Jordan in a lot of ways. That's where I feel like the LeBron... And I agree with you, but I think you're right in what you're saying. I'm I'm talking more about how people are equating it. Like, I I absolutely agree. And I think people, people... It's weird that you say that. People underrate Kobe because of how similar he is to MJ. Um, and at the same time, there are people who won't give LeBron any credit <laughs> because of how different he is than MJ. It's it's, it's a mess. Uh, but you it's know, a, you know that's a whole other podcast episode, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know who benefits from all this, though? Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is just young enough to where he didn't play with Jordan. Yeah. And so even though he plays the same position, he does it in such a different way. Like, you know, D Wade is uh is better agent Manu Ginobili. 
um, because <laughs> it's a stark play. But but yeah, um, yeah, D Wade escapes all criticism, and and he's either what the third or fourth best shooting guard ever. I'm the, I'm the wrong guard. person. I'm the wrong person to have this conversation with because I did a show. Yeah. I did a show where Wade's career was a topic, and everybody yeah. just flamed me because I they said I was a Wade hater. And I was like, I think Wade is great, but I feel like he's mm-hmm. overrated historically. Like, I feel like Wade is great, but I feel like he's overrated historically. Oh, and I rank shooting and, and, guards. Uh, who did you no, wait, said, wait, wait? <laughs> who did you have? Who did you have above him that I would? Did you think I would say wouldn't be above him? Uh, well, I had obviously MJ. I had Kobe. Um, mm-hmm. I said that Iverson to me was better, and yeah, I qualified. I qualified AI as a two guard. Yeah. I, to me, AI was better. Jerry West is better. Jerry West was a two guard. Jerry West is better than Dwayne Wade. I don't think most knowledgeable, rational basketball fans will not dare argue that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I got in trouble with was Clyde Drexler. Like I said, Clyde Drexler yeah. might be better than Wade. Yeah. Now, and but I was being more of a troll than that one. I said he might be mm-hmm. better. Um, I said Ray Allen. Before Ray Allen Boston, like where he was more of a third option, Ray, Ray player, dunking on people. When, yeah, when Ray Allen was better than Wade. Yeah. Like people forget yeah, no, Jesus I, Shuttlesworth was that dude. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I, I, th- I think that, yeah. But, but again, it's a lot of this is the MJ effect. Like it really is. Like Clyde Drexler is never going to get his just due because he was same position as MJ when MJ was on top. And then like it, it's kind of, you know, I, Tim Duncan is definitely better than Carl Malone, but I think Carl Malone gets left out. Well, he's a piece of shit, but. <laughs> just basketball wise, Carl Malone gets left out of, you know, great power forward conversations because Carl Malone was the man when Michael Jordan was beating that ass. Um, like John Stockton doesn't get in these all time great point guard conversations, even with his crazy oh, numbers. Yeah. I, to me, Carl Malone, I, I feel like Carl Malone is a little overrated. I've always felt that about Carl Malone. Like I've, I, I will take Charles Barkley over Carl Malone. Oh sure. In their yeah. primes, I would I would take Barkley over Malone. Over Malone. Um, yeah, I, I love Duncan. Like I, 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 I listen. I hate the Spurs and I hated y'all motherfuckers for being there so many years. Um, but I have so much respect for Duncan. I have so much respect for Manu and Tony Parker. Like that. Like as a as a as a fan of a of a rival team. Like dog, the amount of respect that I have for those three dudes because I was like, yo, those dudes killed us. In playoff games, like, huh. like I just have respect for those cats. Like Manu, to me, is I almost think he's underrated historically. Like I feel like people don't give him enough credit because he was kind of a six man for a lot of points mm-hmm. parts of his career. You know, he was the third guy. You know, obviously being from you know from overseas. You know, his game you know took a little bit of time to translate. Like so, I feel like he's underrated historically. But yo, in big spots, like I want Manu on the yeah. Board. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, um, it's, I go back and forth about, you know, which one was my favorite. Um, I, I default to Tim, but yeah, yeah. If in a, in a different world, you know, Manu Ginobili is, uh, you know, a 10 time all-star for Utah or something, you know, like it just, he came to a great system where everything worked out perfectly, but you know, I, um, I, I took my girl out to eat, and it was a, a month ago, and we were watching um, watch Kawhi hit a game winner in Toronto, and it was it was so heartbreaking. Like, because my, my thing is always like I'm always gonna side with the employee over the employer, and 
medical stuff happened. I, if people you don't trust with your career, you should move away from. I totally agree with that. I'm not so much of a homer that when somebody leaves my team, they're all of a sudden a bad person. It's just as a Spurs fan, we never saw that. Like Gareth yeah. Anderson did it and nobody else did it. So like, ooh, it, it's, yeah. I, I'm not a Spurs fan. I don't like how Kawhi Leonard handled it. I, I thought it was very I, poor. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought he I, he took a hit in my book for that because to me that's not the way you do it. Um, I, and again, I don't know all the issues and all the details mm-hmm. that went into that decision and how it played out. I don't know. I just know that to me, Kawhi Leonard doesn't have any credibility when he's put up against a guy like Greg Popovich. Against like when Tony Parker comes out mm-hmm. in an interview and says, "Well, I had the same injury and I'm back." Mm-hmm. Like again, that speaks volumes to me. Like with Tony Parker, the nicest guy doesn't rip anybody French, you know, you know, Mr. Mr. Desperate Housewives. Like Tony Parker comes out and basically like, yo, fam, I had the same injury and my G, I'm playing now. I may not be playing 100 percent, but I'm playing. And and he's looking at you. And that was a direct shot. Like that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't, you know, I'm saying covert. That wasn't subliminal. That was like a direct. That was everything that was saying. Everything without mentioning the guy's name. So I just don't like how Kawhi handled it. I didn't. I didn't think that was the right thing to do. I don't think you do that to a type of. And I think you're you're not going to win those battles when you're battling an organization like the Spurs. The Spurs are a respected organization. They've been doing this shit for twenty plus years now at the way that they've been doing it. And I feel like you've been the only guy to do this now as a part of that ecosystem. Like, damn that that that's a bad look for you. In my opinion, yeah, Parker you know, also slept with Brentberry's wife, so you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, you got me there, touche. You got me there, touche. <laughs> but, but no, I yeah, yeah. It's it's that's all. You know, um, I, I think both sides could have been more transparent with their language. Um, but I, you know, I wish that kid the best. He's 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 already great, and he's gonna get greater. I wish he could be great in a Spurs uniform, but you know, go 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 do your thing, kid. Be fine. And that was the sh- and that was the shocking thing too, because he seemed like the 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 perfect spur. He was quiet, yeah. understated. Like mm-hmm. I thought he would be a guy that would want to spend his the rest of his career in San Antonio. And it's just yeah. for whatever reason, it just didn't work out that way. So it's it weird. It's weird. As somebody um, who um is from San Antonio, I live in Austin. So that, you know, there's also that, like, <laughs> the organization, <laughs> great living in San Antonio. I, I, I understand leaving. Yeah, yeah, no, I, mean, I get it. I mean, San Antonio is not a booming metropolis. I get it. I understand it. I, I don't know. I just, that whole situation, that whole Kawhi Leonard thing was just weird to me. It was just, because yeah, it, was, it just really came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. It was like one year they were, they were battling the, the, the Warriors in the conference final. He gets hurt with the ankle and then he misses basically the entire year. And then it's these rumors that, you know, he's unhappy and the doctors are sabotaging him and yada. It just turns into this big ass storyline that like, wait, when did this happen out of nowhere? Like, damn, this is crazy. So I don't know. The whole thing was just was just wild to me, man. But uh bye, right, man. Uh I'm gonna let you go. But before you go, I need a I need a final four pick. Um, I don't know how big into college basketball you are, but I need a college. So not I, Texas Tech. Look, look, so not Texas Tech. Um I, yeah, that's that we I typically don't do like the college rivalry thing, but A and M, Tech, and OU. I, I genuinely have distaste for those teams. So I mean, I, I, I'm you know Duke wins. I have I don't believe in Virginia <laughs> as an institution. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Duke wins the championship. Um, I, I, I watched uh, 
them in UCF last weekend. Um, I don't have fond college basketball memories. I think it's kind of a, a sloppy game that I end up feeling bad for everybody because I'm like, oh, they're kids. I hate that that happened to them. Uh, but that was a fantastic game. Um, so, yeah, Legend of Zion continues. I'm going to say Duke wins. Thank you for that, by the way. You know I'm a Duke fan, so I appreciate your support. Um, and, and before you go, you brought up your your love for that that borderline community college that you that you wow. proudly that proudly. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wow. hate Texas, man. I fucking hate I, Texas. Yeah. I don't know Texas. I, is I've noticed. Just fucking hate. Uh, <laughs> is, is Tom Herman the guy? I just want to know from you: Is Tom Herman the guy that is going to restore Longhorn pride? I I think so. I, I think he is. Um, and I think the biggest thing is playing in the Big Twelve. You have to. You got to score points. You got to do enough on defense. Um, I really enjoyed watching our team on defense. Um, I think that you can you can always find ways to manufacture offense in college football. Um, but I the way that that defense plays leads me to believe that yeah, he's going to be that guy. Texas is going to be back. And look eventually, Manny, Oklahoma's going to stop getting Christmas gifts as quarterbacks every damn year. So <laughs> you get Baker Mayfield, um, and then number one recruit in the nation, Kyler Murray, transfers from A&M to Oklahoma to sit behind him to wait on his shot. And then Jalen Hurts transfers to Oklahoma. Like, this is going to stop. It's gonna it's gonna stop because Jalen Hurst is not that good. So I'm 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 already no, telling I, you right now. I don't think he's great. I think that when you put talent around him, he's a great facilitator, and he's proven that much. And, yeah. and I think that uh, what's uh, who's the coach up there at Oklahoma? Um, uh, Lincoln Royals? Riley. Lincoln Riley. There you go. So he's um, I think he's proven that he's an offensive genius. Um, that lineage just stoops. I, I've never seen guys just run wide open like Oklahoma wide receivers. None of them translate to the NFL, but whatever <laughs> scheme they have, they just always are running wide open. And that has not stopped with Lincoln Riley being in charge. Um, but eventually that's going to stop. Like, again, I, I don't think Jalen Hurts translates to an NFL quarterback. I think as a facilitator of uh, a superb college offense, he's proven that he can do that. And he's got the legs to make things happen when they fall apart. Um, and so they're going to score a lot of points. But that's going to end. And as soon as that's done, as soon as all these top quarterbacks stop going to fucking Oklahoma, Texas will be back. Well, listen, hey, man, y'all got y'all got the modern Tebow. (sighs) Ellinger is nice, dog. Ellinger is nice. Um, I I was slow. I was slow on the bandwagon with Ellinger, but I saw his performance against Oklahoma and I was like, yo, this he's. No, he's I mean, he's always been like that gritty, strong guy who will get you yards. He'll not afraid to run the ball um, has proven he can throw it now. But, you know, uh, he's one hit away and every quarterback's one hit away. But I, I worry about um, about him being so physical. I hope that, you know, our young running backs um, really grow up and can really provide on the field next year um, to kind of lessen his load a little bit. Um, he's got Carlin Johnson back. Um, Target catches stud. everything. Yeah, I, I, wish, I, I don't wish little Jordan Humphrey stayed because I think as soon as you get a chance to go get that money, go get that money. But, man, if he had both of them for another year, they they highlight machine. But, but yeah, I, th- I think they'll – I do think Texas is back. Um, they better be. They got LSU week one, so we'll see. 
Yeah, well, I, I think they're I think they're close to being back. I don't, I don't want to say they're back. I, I, we'll know if they're back if they beat LSU week one. We'll know if they're back when, then. Um, go out and beat LSU. Um, but I think Elliger is a Heisman candidate. I, I think he's good. I, I like that kid, man. I, I, and that's a lot for me to say I like a Texas quarterback. But, yo, I like that. <laughs> well, we, we appreciate it, definitely. <laughs> All right, Cam, man, I appreciate you being on the show this week, man. I truly, truly appreciate it. Before you go, go ahead and plug all your social media, your shows, tell them where people can find you, any any work you got coming up. Just go ahead and sell yeah, yourself. Yeah, um, so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Seahawk. It's C-E-E-H-A-W-K. Um, be sure to follow uh, PW Torch on Instagram. Um, just PW Torch, all one term. Um, if you are big into the wrestling, this week is going to be crazy. Um, I, I just got word. If you're a uh, if you're a pro wrestling torch uh, VIP subscriber, um, I'm going to be hosting this weekend's Bruce Bruce Mitchell audio show. Uh, so it's, it's always kind of crazy. Like you know, I get to host my mentor's show. It's really cool. Um, so that's this weekend. Um, come Monday, um, actually, it might be later in the week now because I did Manny show. Um, <laughs> me and Travis uh, did a WrestleMania prediction show. Um, that's going to be on PW Torch VIP right now. Um, later in the week, you should see that in video form. Um, South Congress podcast drops every Monday, 8 a.m. Eastern. Um, you can follow South Congress on Twitter on Instagram. It's South Congress, all one term on Twitter, South Congress podcast on Instagram. Um, you can find that on any podcasting platform. Um, SoundCloud is where it's based, but that's on iTunes. It's on um, Spotify, Stitcher, all that. So South Congress podcast with a K. Um, gosh, Manny, I, I do have so many things happening. Um, if you... Follow South Congress on Facebook. Um, you're going to see my interview with Joe Anderson Jr. of the Mahogany Project. Um, that should be up Monday as well. And then just all week, um, we're going to be doing all kinds of stuff um, for WrestleMania. So, yeah, be sure to follow me on those platforms. And then particularly um, Seahawk on Twitter and PW Torch on Instagram. If you want to talk about wrestling this week, I'm going to be doing a whole lot of that. So, yeah. All righty, man. And shout out to the PW Tour. Shout out to Wade Keller, Bruce Mitchell, uh, Rich Fan, Travis Bryant, everybody at PW Torch, man. I'm a, I'm a VIP subscriber. Proud of it. Almost 10 years running. Uh, it's, it's, it's best $10 I've ever spent. So, and I'm not saying it because he's here. Just, just saying <laughs> it. it's a fact. It's a fact. Best ten dollars I ever spent every month. So it's a dope, it's a dope, dope quality. If you're into wrestling, uh, make sure you subscribe to VIP, man. It's, it's, it's you, you won't regret it. It's the content is amazing. So, all right, Seahawk, Cam, thank you so much for joining me on the show, brother. I, I really appreciate it, um, and we definitely got to have you on next time for a little less wrestling, more sports. But uh, I, I'm sure the masses won't uh, won't complain too much about it. Absolutely, I can't wait to do the Kobe versus Tim Duncan show. Oh my God! No, I don't even think. <laughs> I'm not even going to waste everybody's time with that with that argument. I, I think you'll be in the minority on that one, but it's all good. It's That's all fine. Good. That's fine. I've been a minority my whole life. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Betty. Take care, man.
All right, my thanks to Cam for joining me this week on the podcast. Please make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Seahawk, at Seahawk on Twitter. Also, check out the South Congress, man. It's a really, really dope show. New episodes each and every Monday, and it's available on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you can find podcasts for free, he's there. Also, check out his great work on PWTorch.com, PWTorch VIP. Go become a VIP member. It's it's just $10, and you get access to unlimited content, man. So it's, it's really, really dope. Check it out, PWTorch.com com slash vip that's it for me today got in a very important elite eight game my blue devils hoping to advance to another final four in, a, in this long journey for our sixth national championship cautiously optimistic we'll see what happens uh but as always man thank you for supporting the show thank you for listening thank you for subscribing without you guys it wouldn't be a podcast um make sure you follow us on twitter at ags pod on instagram ags podcast um and of course on facebook any given sunday follow me on twitter at the manual brown on instagram at the manual brown and on facebook manny brown and snapchat manny bro 15 uh, i hope you guys have a happy safe blessed week we'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast it's wrestling many weeks so the schedule will be a little iffy so uh stay tuned to twitter i'll keep you guys updated on the schedule and uh, who i got coming on this week uh that's it for me i'm out of here peace Serious, sir.